right here every day. Wood is roundup. Come on, it's time to play. There's Jesse the Yodeling Cowgirl. Welcome to On Twos, a podcast where we break down animated movies. I'm Lucas Asita, and my partner in crime is Nathan Talon. Nathan Talon, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right, man. We're uh, gonna talk about Toy Story two. We're starting to get into the bangers right now. Uh, we are. We are indeed. Um, you're a little nervous, though. Let's hear your story. I don't know why my heart's beating. I'm sitting there looking at my phone, like, oh my gosh, is he gonna send it? Is he gonna send it? And then I forgot. Oh wait, no, it's a text message that I enter uh, this call from. I was like sitting there in the app for like five minutes. Um, <laughs> So no, I'm here. I'm here. Uh, my heart's beating. There's probably a rash on my chest. Um, I I don't know. It's just of all these Pixar movies, this one is kind of one of the most important. So I agree. I'm, uh, I'm doing a, I'm doing something a little different with this one as well. Okay. Because I like the movie so much, I'm having it on on mute on my TV as I talk to you about the. So if I just remember something, if it comes to me, I'm bringing it up. Okay. Um, um, very yeah, psychopath like you, of you, but yes. Like you, like you said, it's a very important movie. It's a very important movie in the life of Nathan Talon as well, because it was the first movie I saw in theaters. How do you even remember that? Because uh, I remember the airport. Something about the airport scene is ingrained in my brain sitting in the theater. But also, you know, your parents let you know what your first movie is. Are you sure it wasn't Die Hard 2? You know what? It was Die Hard too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I get him confused all the time. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. You know, the airport really, really throws you off. Could be Home Alone as well. Um, anyway, um, this is your first uh, movie in a theater. Um, other than that, as you got older, where does this kind of... Is this a big rewatch for you? Um, yeah, okay. yeah. Toy Story 1 and 2 are probably up there with movies i've watched the most in my life mm-hmm. um as the as they play out even because let's talk recently um as i became you know high school and the college i probably watched it less uh but even doing that rewatch before toy story 4 mm-hmm. um like as the movie's playing out it like everything's like you get sparks going off in your brain of remembering it and remembering where you were at certain parts where like where this memory's tied to it's bizarre um there's sounds that like like i said in the first one and in bugs life there's like these sound effects and sound cues that are just ingrained in my brain like for example when buzz is chasing after al's car at the beginning and he like falls off the back and he hits and like you, you hear like a bunch of those little beeps and boops mm-hmm. that's like ingrained in my brain sure. i don't know why but uh, the montage scene with Jesse, the whole weird acid trip with Woody. Uh, it's all like ingrained in my brain. And uh, first, yeah, just Toy Story was, that's why I think that Toy Story 3 hits me hard is just because Toy Story 1 and 2, on top of being great movies, are movies that are literally tied and ingrained in my childhood. Mm-hmm. That Toy Story 3 is just a, like, I wanted to bring this up on the podcast as well is because it's like weird to have a franchise that is like so excellent, but also is like perfectly aligned with your life, you know, it's hitting at all the right moments at the right time. And that's what Toy Story is for me, because even 
even as you revisit Toy Story 2 as a younger kid mm-hmm. and you start to get this basic theme of what if like that's kind of how they went into this movie just like what if a kid doesn't want the toy anymore you know mm-hmm. like what if it's time to pack it away and it's gone forever um and not just like in the first movie with it just wants a new toy like what if it starts moving away from toys altogether which you see reflected in Jesse's storyline um but it's just weird how, and we'll talk about this ad nauseum. We already started talking about ad nauseum with A Bug's Life, but just how creative Pixar is mm-hmm. and the way that they tell stories and the scenarios that they come up with. Because just having, like, like it's one of those things. You watch Toy Story 1, and you're like, man, yeah, that was great. That was clever. Just great, great movie, you know? It's over. You're like, great movie. And then Toy Story 2 happens, and then you're like, oh, yeah, what? now that we built this world, like what would it look like to have like, cause there is toy collectors. Mm-hmm. So like, what if someone wants to refurbish this toy for like, it's just small things like that that are like, Oh my God, I didn't even think about that, but they thought of it. And now they're telling a story completely. And then with toy story three, it's like toys and daycares. It's like, Holy crap. That's gotta be a nightmare. And then like antiques and toy story four, uh, they just do a good job of coming up with these, like keeping the franchise fresh while um, keeping us up to date with how the characters are doing. Uh, This is the start of it all, man. Like you said, a very important movie. And I think this is the movie that shot. This was like, this was their gauntlet. As we all dive into the background, it's kind of like them doing this and making this movie so good as it is, you know, Mm -hmm. is a testament to just where they can go. And they definitely go there within this run that we're about to cover. It's tough to to follow that up, but you know, if I'm before we kind of get into the background, I'll just say that probably until probably until I moved to Rockford and specifically went to Rock Valley, um, I didn't have a really strong relationship to this movie. Um, of the Toy Stories and a lot of the Pixar movies, um, this one was just I never really rewatched it. Of course, I saw it as a kid, um, and then as I grew up, I for whatever reason always found myself going back to the first one um i saw the third one and it kind of upset me so much that i was i didn't touch the toy story movies for a long time um i remember actually i'll save that story for when we get okay. to toy story yeah. Um, yeah but kind of when we formed our friendship uh, one of those things that we kind of bonded on is pixar and animated movies and of course, the question comes up, which uh, of the Toy Stories is your favorite? And, you know, from that, I kind of heard people saying for the first time that Toy Story 2 was their favorite. Um, and that's maybe a take that I really wasn't used to, other than maybe one other person I know. Um, and that made me kind of rewatch it. And then you, of course, gave me the elevator pitch of why it's so good and better than the first one. Because really... Um, I was always a guy who thought that they went in order. You know, I, I forever loved the first one. I thought the second one was really great, brought in some really awesome characters. And then I think the third one just emotionally wrecked me. So I, I didn't give it the late of day. Um, but, you know, after a rewatch, it's just like, man, how do you beat, you know, after the success of the first movie, it's almost like, hard to even comprehend like how where do you even go from here you know it's like we we got lightning in a bottle and now we have to do it again 
Mm-hmm. Um, and they did even better. <laughs> da, da, da. Yeah. It's freaking incredible. Yeah, um, you hear like that Toy Story, like, you know, like you said, everyone, you know, when it comes to Pixar, of course, Toy Story is like their flagship. So everyone wants to know what your favorite Toy Story movie is. And honestly, what I hear the most is two by far. Like, you know, like everyone's like, two is my favorite, but oh, by far two, yeah. all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I think I'm kind of in the minority by th- thinking three's the best. Um, but two is up there, like, full disclosure, five-star banger, um, as, like, about ten Pixar movies, I'm pretty sure, are five <laughs> stars for me, but that's because I'm a fanboy. But it's up there. Like, if I had to do, like, a top film list and, like, maybe top 50, you know, like, it's for sure on there. Yeah. Um definitely on top animated movies um it's just it's just what's so insane to me is i i put this movie at such high regards in terms of just being a movie you know and then you learn about the background of it that we're about to jump into and it's almost astonishing you're like, well, no wonder they make good movies because they were able to make one of their best under the worst conditions possible. <laughs> and it's like under the most pressure, too, on top of having terrible conditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's just like you said, it's just important. It's an important uh, Pixar moment is Toy Story 2. Also, quick question. Um, are you using headphones? Yes. Okay, because I might, I'm hearing a little bit of something scraping against your mic. I just want to let you know before we go any further. Okay. It almost sounds like, uh, man, what does that sound like? Anyway, it kind of well, is just, like a pencil I'll... on a piece of paper or something. I didn't know if okay. it was catching your jacket or something. Yeah, I may just lay down like I'm in a coma and just stare at the ceiling. Well, until uh, the end of the pod. If anybody can lay in a unique position, for a long period of time, uh, you're at the top of the list, my friend. Yeah, not good for my body, though. It's starting to turn against me with this whole work-from-home stuff. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. My knees are starting to hate me. <laughs> I'm 24 years old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, well, let's. Uh, I want you to dive into the background because this is one of your favorite things to talk about. That's not true. Uh, my favorite thing to talk about is my friendship with one Lucas Acida. Get out of uh, here. Second is Toy Story 2's background. Okay. Um, okay. It's top three. So, but so first off, let's just run through it. You know, budget of about a 90 million makes about 500 million. Um, and of course, it was kind of a no brainer for Pixar to make a sequel to Toy Story. It was the thing that put them on the map, as well as, uh, you know, a critical and financial success. Um, but at first, as they were working on A Bug's Life, work started on Toy Story 2 in a smaller uh, house outside of Pixar as a straight-to-DVD um, sequel. But from the very first reels of the movie, they showed to Disney, and Disney actually liked it a lot, so they decided to just give it uh, like the full feature treatment. Um, I forgot what director was... Um, put in charge but he was a directing animator on toy story one and then he was going to direct toy story two uh, i think his name is i think his name is ash uh yeah yeah something like that ash ash brand something 
Um, yeah. Obviously, like the big, I was reading that the big top talent at the time, obviously one upcoming guy they kind of gave a bug's life to. And then the little guy of the name of Pete Doctor uh, was mm-hmm. working on Monsters, Inc. at the time. So it's kind of like the top two recruits were already busy. So they said, oh, well, let's give this dude a shot. Yeah. Uh, and kind of, it was always John Lasseter's plan with this next step to kind of foster some new directing talent. Um, How cool and... is that? You know, it's just... It, it amazes me that Pixar is willing to give um, kind of up-and-coming people these opportunities. Um, most of the time, like you would imagine with the success of Toy Story, that he would want to take charge of everything. But really, they... they uh, I don't know, man. I just think of it like a baseball team. It's like you work your way up um, to become the starting pitcher. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's wild. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but as the production kept going along, um, there was word, and this is after it was already greenlit into a, a theatrical release. Um, they showed some more reels to Disney, and they weren't really liking it. Uh, even the team working on it wasn't really happy with how it was going. Uh, so John Lasseter came after a bug's life and looked at it. And he was not, he was right there with him. He wasn't really... Um, on board with what they were doing to Toy Story 2. So, this is in uh, November 1997. Okay. Uh, Disney executives see it uh, again, and they demand a change. So, after A Bug's Life win, uh, um, Lassie is available. He comes over, and he's going to take over directing duty like he did with the first one. But he's going to bring on Lee Unkrich as his co-director, baby. Legend. <laughs> uh, so now we got Lassie on Toy Story 2. Um, and we got about a year before this movie has to be released. About two years. Um, and then they went into this whole kind of story change. Uh, Lassie came up with the new story for Toy Story 2 in a weekend, so whatever, dude. <laughs> you know, just do whatever you want. But um, they couldn't change the release date. It was locked in to be premiered on uh, in, what was it, 1999? Mm-hmm. Um, that's when it had to be premiered. So they had to go through all this pre-production and stuff for um, this new story that was made by Lassie. So when it got down to it, to the actual animation, they had nine months to animate this movie. And just to put that into perspective, they normally get two years. Um, Correct. And now they, they had nine months to make uh, a sequel, which I guess, um, if you're thrown in that position, I guess it's better to for it to be a sequel just because at least you have something to go off of you know it's not like everything's original so you can update some models you can do stuff like that you just need to create what was it you got jesse the um stinky pete yeah stinky pete you got bullseye those are like the new toy models that are probably going to do a lot of range of motion and then you got the new humans which let's be honest not that good yet um yeah but uh, 
that being said, like you can't even tell. Like you would think that just the, as much care went into this one, and just as much care did go into this one, just not as much time. Just in nine and months. That being, yeah. That being said, in the, those nine months, these animators were worked to the bone. Like I feel bad, and of course, like once it's done, uh, you hear stories about them being proud of it, and like maybe all the work was worth it because of just how great it turned out. But like we're talking, people would. Like literally, they wouldn't go home. They'd just stay at the Pixar studios, uh, work till they fell asleep, woke up, and then work some more. Um, someone left, like because they're so sleep deprived, left their baby in their car oh. when they came to work and forgot to drop it off at daycare. Like they just drove past the daycare and went to work. Um, yeah, like stuff Jesus. like that. And then to add on top of oh yeah, here it comes to add on top of everything. Uh, at one point, uh, oh, hold on, like, w- more stuff, you know, carpal tunnel syndrome was found in a bunch of animators after this uh, movie, repetitive strain injuries, um, a full third of the staff ended up with repetitive strain injuries after this movie. I heard 95% of the staff has PTSD anytime they see a toy. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as, as soon as they hear a Tom Hanks yeah. voice. They just go and do it. Uh, but uh, at one point in 1998, so like uh, we're months into the editing process already. Uh, I mean, the animation process already. Uh, the work done on the film was nearly lost. And while routinely cleaning out some files, an animator uh, started a deletion of a root folder of some of the Toy Story 2 assets. I believe it had to do with Woody's boot or something as simple as mm-hmm. that. Um, and as they cleaned it out, as he did, uh, it was all of a sudden, I remember them describing it uh, in like the Pixar story documentary that I watched where it was just like, they were looking and then just like uh, one piece at a time, each of the scenes had stuff getting deleted out of it. And they're like scrolling, trying to figure out what's happening. And like, basically, they're just watching the movie get deleted from their very eyes. Um, And of course, they lost 90% of the last two years of work. And the backups were found to have failed sometime previously. (laughs) So they were just effed. Uh, But the film was saved when a technical director, Galen Suzman, who was working from home, and was taking care of her newborn child, she was on maternity leave, had backups of the assets on her home computer. The Pixar team was able to recover nearly all the assets, except for a few recent days of work, and allowed the film to proceed. Can you imagine being that guy? (laughs) Like, literally just the worst possible thing that could happen in your career. (laughs) Maybe that's where they came up with the character Rex. They based it off this dude. Retroactively, <laughs> <laughs> nah, dude, he's wheezy. Could be wheezy, but yeah. And then uh, it got out on time. They didn't have to delay it, and it made five hundred million dollars. And I'm pretty sure it has like a hundred percent Rotten Tomatoes. It was a critical. Well, I'm, I'm not hundred percent well. sure if this is true, but I read that it won like the Golden Globe for being like best. Musical slash comedy. Comedy? Let me check. That's, I can just pull it ooh, up right now. Yeah, I like the sound of that. Which, I must say, if that's true, 
won the same award as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, what's that have to do? I'm, I don't know. It's just to me that means a lot. What, what's that have to? What's that have to do? With they won the same award, dude. Well, okay. I'm just saying, like, when, how many times does an animated movie get any recognition um, where, like that, let alone win something? Um, there's only been it three won. that have been nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. So the fact that it, it won out the category of, like, Best Picture um, for comedies is crazy. It won Golden Globe Award for Best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy. Wow. 57th Golden Globes. That's freaking nuts. That's I didn't know that. That's pretty crazy. I'm glad though. Um uh, to be fair, not up against the biggest competition. He's got this in the bag, maybe. <laughs> okay. Um so obviously it was a huge hit. Um I guess let's kind of dive into um some of the new New cast members, obviously, we've already kind of talked about some of the names, um, but let's talk about, like, the voice actors. Uh, You have uh, Jesse, who's, like, the new cowgirl, um, partnering uh, with Woody. Which is, so here's the thing with Jesse. Mm -hmm. Upon rewatch, it takes, you know, because you know where the story progresses, it takes a different Mm -hmm. tone. Do you think they knew what to do with Jesse when it came to, like, romantically pairing? Um, I think that they are probably in a sort of a pickle because you automatically would assume, like, if you just listed all the characters, um, you would imagine that Woody and Jesse would be a couple. Yeah, but and then, he's like, already, that's what you originally He's already think. taken. Yeah. So I think that kind of puts them at a dilemma coming up with this new female lead. Um. So I, you know, honestly, I think that they they kind of made the right decision. Um, no, yeah, I think I think it's just weird in the fact that like as you first see them hanging out and doing all this stuff, you know, they're being friendly with each other, and it is a kids movie, so there's not like that much crazy stuff. But you get you get the feeling that there's a connection here, and then but upon watching the other movies and stuff like that, in the end of this movie, you understand that it's not the thing. And then you start to view it more as like a brother-sister sort mm-hmm. of thing. But I feel like in general, when it came to Woody and Jesse, when they're like alone, yeah. you know, it just seems like they're like, oh, yeah, let's just do, of course, we'll pair him up. And then someone's like, well, isn't he, isn't he with Bo? And it's like, well, we already got it storyboarded. So let's just trim it down, like not to be it, make it too flirty. And then it will be fine. So it's like they kept, I don't know. It was just something that I noticed upon watching it where it's like, oh, this is kind of weird. And then they just do a complete right turn. It's like, oh, no, Buzz Buzz and Jesse are Well, I think anytime, you know, people are forced to be locked together and especially in a situation where um, he's, you know, thinking about staying with these people for really the rest of his time. um, Which, come on, Woody, wake up, dude. I think it's natural that there would be a bond. there and i agree um but i think that i think woody who's kind of feeling himself up um <laughs> i mean honestly uh he's yeah he, yeah he's his own biggest fan at a certain point in this movie i think that woody does probably have an attraction to jesse yeah just because the adoration and, that comes and if with he stays it. that woody 
then I think we're left to believe that they do end up together. But once he's kind of snapped out of it, um, I think it, it kind of, it, I think it makes sense um, for me at least. Uh, I get. Nope. I, 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 I agree. I love Jesse. Yeah, I think that it uh, buzz. I don't know. I guess to me personally, it didn't come off like um, they were leaning one way and then they were like, oh, well, uh, now let's do a complete 180. Um, I didn't necessarily feel that way, but I think that it was maybe a little sprinkle on top of um, kind of the attraction of Woody staying um, with them to go to a museum yeah. and all that sort of thing. I think I wouldn't even say it's a 180 for me. I think it's more of like, here's this GPS, yeah. right? So the GPS is taking you one way and it's still a long ways mm-hmm. away. And then uh, a new destination pops up five seconds away from you. And then it just goes mm-hmm. straight there because it's just like at the end of the movie, they kind of put in this little moment of Jesse and buzz. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that's mm-hmm. cute. But it's almost like an afterthought. Uh, it's just something that I find interesting, but going forward with toy story three and that you get more of Jesse and buzz. And I just like the pairing of, her being the cowboy or the cowgirl and then Buzz being like the super futuristic toy that's all Space Ranger and they got their little flirty stuff that happens back and forth. I guess uh, it just leads I guess to... now that I think about it this the whole pairing of Jesse and Buzz might have effed Buzz's character going forward. I, I got a hot take on Buzz but we'll wait till we get into the story and after it but yeah, I think Buzz gets done dirty in all these movies. Even in this one? Of. I think he's def Yeah, I think he's definitely the best in this one. For sure the best in this one. But I think overall they always do something they always make Buzz like this B plot character instead of part of the He's always part of the main plot, but he's also like has his own B plot uh-huh. going on. And it's just sometimes it's at the end of the day they're like it there, there's payoff to it and it works but upon re-watching these movies you think that Buzz is like an equal to Woody and he's really not like Woody's kind of just like on a tier of his own and in the marketing they put Buzz and Woody together but it's kind of like nah Buzz is the sidekick and Woody's the protagonist I guess you know, you're, you know if we're putting it in, in those terms um, I think you're right I think that Buzz um, is more of the Robin like character for sure um but i think in this one you know i i'm coming at it from the other side thinking that in the first one what do you do with there after the first one like what do you do with that character um and i thought that they did a great job of kind of giving him something to do in this one whereas in something like toy story 4 i leave the theater thinking wow um i think they must have ran out of you know, ideas for Buzz, uh, in all honesty, because, like, it's almost like he's barely in Toy Story 4. No, I think I think what happens, and why I think it's the best in this one, even though it's similar to the rest of them, is they always find, in every Toy Story movie, they always find some secondary mode for mm-hmm. Buzz, right? There's always some secondary mode. Like, in Toy Story 1, you get about two-thirds through the movie or a halfway through the movie and then buzz just gets depressed and he's silent for about 20 minutes mm-hmm. of the movie right and you're like oh well there goes buzz character for a while in this one the real buzz disappears and you get like basically buzz from the first movie again 
which is funny because now characters can make fun of him. And this is the one that works best because then it allows the actual buzz to reflect on how he was in the first movie and the audience is in on it and it's all fun. But it's still the idea that our buzz is kind of out of the movie for about a fourth or a third of the movie. Like he's just maybe sprinkled in in between these scenes of just showing him get to where the other characters are. And we're stuck with buzz from the first movie again, you know, like it's buzz that still has the test on. Uh, like the I mean, I, I I watched a little then, bit of a behind the scenes, and they do talk about how um, they were really nervous about Buzz, just because if the whole joke of him um, was that he didn't realize he was a toy, and you know now we're in a situation where he does, and he's more down to earth, um, so it's like you lose a whole third of Buzz's character arc because now it's like that joke is done. So now what do you do? with him um and i think i personally think that they do a nice blend of it in this one um exactly like they do the per- this is like i think the peak of what they can do because then then in toy story 3 they do the same thing except they make it in a foreign language where they revert buzz back to how he was in toy story 1 except he's speaking spanish yeah. now. um and like that's why, and then in Toy Story Four, Buzz is just brain dead. <laughs> that's absolutely true. Um, I think with Toy Story Three, it's interesting because I don't know. Um, I think that I see. I understand what they were going for with the direction of that character, just because in this one he is the action hero. You know, when we talk about him falling in style, he does all these acrobatic things mm-hmm. to get from one. Uh, place a to place b um and i think this movie does a good job of showing like um him being able to use those skills and how he can kind of do this by himself um yes and in toy story 3 i think we're left to expect buzz to just get them out of here because he's kind of the muscle in a sense um he's kind of the superhero so you know he's almost so overpowered in the sense that he can handle himself that they got to get rid of him because it won't be even, you know, we, the audience would expect, well, Buzz would get them out of the situation. You know, you know, Woody is always the brain and Buzz is kind of the one who's able to do it. Um, So I, I understand the dilemma that they fell into, but yeah, from this point, Mm -hmm. this is, this is peak action hero. Yeah. um, Buzz for sure. And we'll talk, we'll talk more about it when we get to Toy Story three as well, but I think they do handle it well enough where it's like, they almost make Buzz kind of like this pseudo antagonist, but it's not our Buzz. And it's almost more sad because you can tell like the real Buzz is trapped behind this face. And this may be the last time we see all of our toys together. So you're just hoping that the real Buzz comes to play and all this stuff. And they're able to put toy with that, with him being on the bad guy's side for like a, a third of the movie mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, so there's definitely pluses and minuses to that whole thing. But yeah, I think Toy Story 4 is, they just didn't know what to do with Buzz. Uh, And we'll talk about, like I said, we'll talk about that stuff when we get to 3 and 4. But yep, we're here for peak Buzz. I'm here to witness it. We even get some Zerg in this one, which is legendary. Um, But yeah, let's touch on, oh, I mean, yeah, let's touch on Um, that. Okay, so Jesse is, uh, is it Joan? Joan Cusack? Cusack? Sister of John Cusack. Um, aka the best principal ever in a movie. Um, aka heard he's a jerk in real life, though. Huh? So. Really? Yeah. 
Oh. Yeah. Well, I still love High Fidelity, and you can't do anything about it. Um, anyway, his sister is throwing 99 miles an hour in this movie. She's killing it voice acting-wise. Um, you got Stinky Pete, who is... Kelsey yeah. Grammer. You got that one. Frazier. <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth. What you doing in this we movie, We also Frazier? have um, freaking Newman is in this movie, man. We got oh, Al. yeah, perfect. Uh, got nice as hell. Uh, <laughs> he's playing himself. I don't know what else to tell you. And he <laughs> yeah, even looks yeah. like him. So, are you are you offended you like uh, you if, <laughs> if you're this guy? <laughs> you know, you get cast as this character in the movie. Okay, no, it's like you see Seinfeld. Yeah, you know, you know exactly what his character is. And then <laughs> uh, you get the fabulous edition of. Mrs. Potato Head in this movie, and you get Estelle oh, Harris, and it's it's so perfect, um, it almost hurts. Um, I can't say anything else other than Mr. and Mrs. Potato because like I almost forgot that she's not even in the first movie. It's it's just I kind of became yeah. so attached. Oh yeah, her to, presence. You know the the chemistry between Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. Um, that going back and after watching the first one, I'm thinking. Man, that's like perfect casting because that's kind of that's kind of a big anticipation going into the second one because we find out that Andy ends up getting a Mrs. Potato Head at the end of the first movie, um, or the sister does. Somebody they end up getting it for Christmas. Um, so I think that they nailed it, you know, um, casting her as Mrs. Potato Head, and I think that they're just money in this movie. Um, oh, that's great! But yeah, I mean, do we dive right into the story? Oh, you're forgetting one important cast uh, member. Go, go, lay it on me. Andrew Stanton of directorial Pixar fame plays. Does he really? Zerg. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the voice pretty is pretty auto tuned. Um, no, yeah, yeah. It's just they needed someone in the booth, honestly, and they can just modulate the voice. But I'm glad. I'm glad that they do that because that pops up a lot in Pixar movies where. Just some talent behind the scenes is uh, voicing some of the characters, like Brad Bird mm-hmm. is Edna Mode. That, like that that one is like all timer right there. That's like I would have had zero idea. Yeah, because that, that was yeah him. And it's like plus it being just pe- some people's favorite character from the movie, and it's not even like they didn't have to throw over a cash to get a voice actor or a big actor to play it. It's literally just the director sure. going in the booth. And I'm not gonna lie. I have like seven pages of notes here. Um, Dude, this this episode's literally going to be twice. Yeah, I don't know what we're going to do here because, no, let's let's get started. (laughs) All right. right, So of course, you know, we get the the nice little Disney opening. We get the classic Pixar with the lamp. It's set up. Um, We're looking at stars. It's just nothing but stars. Um, And then, bam. Walt Disney presents, you know, and I got to say, pretty loud. If I'm in a theater and I see this, it sounds like a gun just went off. I'm like, am I, watch- am I watching Dunkirk right now? What is happening? I'm having Blade Runner 2049 flashbacks. Um, the Walt Disney <laughs> thing disappears. Boom. You know, a Pixar picture or whatever. Um, boom. Again, you're shot three times. At this point, you can't even hear. Um, we get the Toy Story 2 logo, which I got to say. They, of course, when it comes to Toy Story, um, everything is perfect, honestly. 
and even the logo <laughs> i i think is just so fitting that you know at mm-hmm. some point you just throw up your hands you know like this is this is too much this um, is just yeah. but anyway uh we get the classic you know old school army computer whatever that font would be you know um the, like the typing you get gamma quadrant section four yeah um also some serious star wars score tones from the opening sure, score to sure. this movie. Um, like sounds like some john williams ish there's a lot of star wars references in this that. movie um so i think that's oh, yeah. fitting uh but it the, definitely yeah, in this opening sure. as well uh, we see an asteroid start to come fly by and i think this is freaking genius that you know we don't cut baby this camera pans over and now we see these planets and we see this thing just flying through the air and it's like oh dude are you kidding me this is freaking money um you're like i thought i'm watching toy story what do we watch uh we we cut to in a more close-up shot and we notice that asteroid isn't an asteroid but it is in fact the one and only buzz Lightyear, um flying flying so fast that he's practically on fire um but we can see he is going to some specific planet that honestly kind of looks like the moon. Uh, it's like a, a pretty rock-heavy uh, planet, and you know mm-hmm. we get we get some awesome shots. You know we get some POV stuff um, showing him flying. We get some behind the back looking forward stuff. We get some close-ups of him doing some some moves. Uh, so at this point, it's like holy crap, dude! They're they're throwing uh, hundred mile an hour fastballs at this point. Um, Either way, Buzz lands. You know, he's looking. There's not really anything going on around him. You know, he's looking for something. Um, he's talking to, you know, Star Command. He's got his little wrist thing open. He's whatever. Um, we then. As we are in the POV of Buzz, as he's like looking around, just straight up one for one, uh, Darth Vader's breathe sure. sound effect is sure. used. Um, we Love then it. cut to more of a, a medium shot of Buzz, and we see all of a sudden a red dot appears on his forehead. And that one dot instantly turns to like a thousand red dots. Um, and all of a sudden, uh, the camera, you know, zooms out, and we see that Buzz is now surrounded by a thousand robots, kind of looking like they're from Star Wars Battlefront 2 a little bit. Um, yeah, like the super battle droids, they're like more of a bronze color. Um, you know, we get a close up of these guys and their shoulders open up, and then like guns on guns pop out. Um, we get the close up of one, we cut back to the wide, and all the other robots follow suit. So they're all just pointed at my man Buzz. Um, him thinking quick on his feet, he dives, he's kind of standing next to a couple big crystals popping out of the ground. And he shoots his laser at the crystal, which then kind of ricochets, um, pointing his laser now at all of these robots, and it fries them all. Uh, Got to say, pretty convenient. But he got out of it. So regardless, we then cut up to... uh, Makes the blaster noise from Star Wars 2, I think, when he shoots into the, the crystal thing. I'm, I'm honestly pretty impressed with that. Um, who knew you were the sound effect guy? Oh, anyway, 
Um, oh, it's but it's like all for sure, over for sure. This open. Uh, we then cut to Buzz, you know, walking around. You know, he's still searching. Uh, we get a close up of the side of a rock opens up, and we get a little camera that comes out and is looking for Buzz. Um, he turns around and notices it. He shoots it. Boom! It explodes. Straight. Straight out of episode six, uh, Return of the Jedi. All of a sudden, as this explodes, the ground starts to open up. He jumps in, and now he is in the inside of this evil underground lair, you know. But are we going to talk about how sick it is that he, Mm -hmm. like, falls through, right? And then the door goes to close, but it stops right before it's about to close and makes a giant Z. Everything closes. in this opening is shaped like a Z. Um, <laughs> but that's the sickest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, uh, that gets me um, hyped, baby. Because yeah. it's very video gamey. Like, and, this, and it all makes sense after, but it's like it's yes. super video um, gamey. The only light that was really being uh, or that is even lighting the scene is the light from you know outside. Um, so once he falls in and it starts to close, you know, the screen then becomes pitch black. Um, but once it fully closes, Buzz kind of flips a switch on his chest and turns glow in the dark. And we see him then start to run down a hallway, you know, looking straight out of Star Wars, honestly. It's a hexagon-shaped room, and he's just going. Um, we then cut to a red screen um, with a little yellow dot moving. And we hear a nice little voiceover of Zerg for the first time. Um, and it shows kind of the, the map of where Buzz is going, leading him, you know, directly to that uh, place he's going. I don't know if he, regardless, regardless, we're looking at a map that Buzz is going. And of course, the hallways are shaped like a Z. So at that point, I'm thinking, wow, is that really the only hallways we have in this place? Or are we just focusing on one part? <laughs> regardless. Um we never, we don't fully see, you know, Zerg. We do a nice little zoom out again, and we get a nice little taste of the shoulder. But we don't get, we don't get the full thing. We do a little Kill Bill Volume One action, and I love that. Um, don't laugh, dude. Don't laugh. Uh, we cut back to Buzz, and um, he's running down the hallway still. Which at this point, I'm thinking, man. If you're looking at the map from earlier, I feel like he already be to where he needs to go. Um, but like I said, it's just a long hexagon-shaped hallway full of lights, and all of a sudden, um, a wall comes down. Boom. And the wall is full of spikes. Uh, so now uh, that sucker is you know, aiming right for Buzz, so he takes off like Benny the Jet. Um, and then we can see at the end of the hallway that the doors are closing also in a Z-shaped fashion, which is, again, a nice little Z-touch. And, of course, you know, this is just a nice little action opening, so he dives and makes it just in time before the door closes. And I also love that as soon as the the spiked wall hits the door, we get the little indents um, from where the spikes hit. That's a nice little touch. we now see Buzz in an open room that kind of looks like Cerebro from X-Men. It's just like one long kind of, uh, what would you call that? Um, yeah, it's a catwalk. catwalk. Um, leading to this battery. Um, 
That says Zerg's yeah, powers. I have that written down because I thought that that was hilarious. Um, but the, <laughs> even though it is kind of a straight catwalk, uh, it's like normal, um, maybe the first quarter, and then we start to get like these little ovals that he'll have to jump on to move across that are levitating in the air. And I think that this is hilarious too because as soon as he starts going, um, we get the nice little music that plays while he's jumping. Um, do you know what song they're playing? I can never remember which one it is. Uh, it's it's 2001. It's, it's not from Odyssey. that, though. Right? Yeah, it's like an old... Uh, uh, whatchamacallit? I, it's like... It's one of those things that's blah, blah, blah in D minor or something like that. Like, it's like an old yeah. classical tune. But it's famous yeah, for it's being the opening in a space And as soon as he hits that last note, um, the little hovering ovals that he's stepping on fall. And he starts to fall down through the shaft. And uh, he presses another thing on his chest, which is like a, what is it, a zero gravity thing? Yeah, well, no, he touches his, yep. like, utility belt, right? His new utility belt, and that's, like, the zero-gravity mm-hmm. shield or whatever they call it. Some uh, sci-fi which BS. Which then um, forms, like, a, I don't know, forms, like, a big ball around him. And he then is able to fly, so he just flies straight up to um, the top where he was, and he goes to grab the battery, but his hand goes right through, and he then just. Dis- Get some he then discovers here. that it was just a hologram, and all of a sudden the battery disappears, and up from the floor comes our man Zerg. Of course, battle ensues. You know, Buzz is when he did his <laughs> like zero gravity thing. He also brought up um, a few of those oval things that he was stepping on. Um, yeah, so he's yeah, kind of like using platform. that in his battle. They're going back and forth. He's throwing those things at him. He does a nice little jump over Zerg. He lands. Uh, Zerg turns around. Bam. Lights my man Buzz up. So much so that you could say he only has a lower half after this point. Um, All the kids scream. Yeah, you're sitting there and you're just dead. like, what the? F-? And then we kind of... Um, we pan out and we realize that we were watching a video game screen because it says game over. Game over. Game we over. see that Rex was playing a video game, a Buzz Lightyear video game, and he can never be Zerg. So it's like him and Buzz standing next to each other, and it's great because Rex is wearing like an astronaut helmet at the same time, which is definitely not a Buzz Lightyear helmet. Um, it's got like antennas mm-hmm. and you know he's complaining he's like look at my little arms you know I can't press fire and jump at the same time I... and I love how it just subtly shows how like desensitized Buzz is to him being a toy at this point because he literally would just technically watch mm-hmm. himself get blown to pieces and then like the first thing he says like oh dang mm-hmm. you didn't get it again Rex you're so close, and it's just like That's funny true. to want think about that. Um, while this is going on, um, their conversation kind of gets interrupted because from across the room we see Woody um, looking through Andy's dresser. You know, he's looking and looking for something. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, Woody ends up falling. Buzz uh, falls in style um, to get his way down to Woody. They start to have a conversation. We can see that Woody's a little stressed. Uh, We obviously know he was looking for something. And Woody then explains that he's leaving soon. So we're like, oh, okay, where's he going to go? Woody's telling Buzz that when he's gone, Buzz is kind of in charge. She's telling them to replace batteries. Um, move the toys from the bottom of the chest and have them rotated. Um, you know, have everybody attend Mr. Spell's um, seminar, you know, and not letting anybody miss it. Uh, he's kind of, you know, um, just giving him pep talk of what the stuff he's going to have to do while Woody's gone. We find out that Woody is going to be at like a cowboy camp with Andy. Um, and he can't find his hat. So he's all, you know, flustered. Um, but Buzz is trying to kind of calm him down. He says, uh, you know, you're going to be pretty soon. You're going to be sitting here fireside and, you know, you won't even have to worry about us. You'll just be eating smos. He says, I love like, they're called <laughs> s'mores, Buzz. Um, and at this point, you know, we we then see we're kind of interested, though. The gang's all here again. We're moving around the room and um, Buzz has ordered everybody to look for Woody's hat. And, you know, we see Ham up there on the windowsill like he always is. And, you know, he's moving the shades up open and closed, like uh, saying, nope, the people across the street basically say that. It, I don't... Oh, I loved it. Garden Gnome says yeah, he can't. It's, it's not like in the front Morse yard, code, but we'll which again. is just freaking money. Um, you know, we see Bo Peep and she says, nope, it's not in uh, sister's room. Uh, every, you know, everybody's kind of going around and. Then Mr. Potato Head appears from underneath the bed. He doesn't have a mustache. He's got these got the clean shaven look going on. And he says, I found it. You know, Woody runs up to him and he's like, You did? And he's like, You found my hat? And he says, No, I found Mrs. Potato Head's earring. So then he goes over and gives his earring to Mrs. Potato Head and we get to meet her. And then everybody in the theater is like, Well, I don't need to see anything else because I already just saw witnessed the greatest thing of all time. Um, and that is the chemistry between Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. Anyway, um, Woody's still freaking out because he thinks that Andy won't want to take him to uh, this cowboy camp if he doesn't have his hat. And Bo Peep then comes up and, you know, they're talking and Woody basically won't stop complaining for like the first five minutes of this movie. And Bo Peep uh, basically gives him a nice little pep talk and has him look at his boot. And says, the boy who wrote that um, would take you to cowboy camp with or without your hat, which I think is a nice little, um, it's a sweet little moment between them. You know, honestly, that I think is mm-hmm. automatically better than anything that they do together in the first movie. Um, yeah. I also at this point noticed how big Woody's head is compared to hers. And that kind of freaked me out a little bit. No, yeah. Yeah, like Woody's proportions. Woody's a big. I mean, toy yeah, in general, he's taller, but specifically, his head looks ginormous. Um, <laughs> I don't know what else to say other than it's kind of freaked me out a little bit. Um, they're toys, I know, dude. Which they're is weird because obviously sets. it's something you know you don't even think about because they're all toys, or whatever. But at this moment, I'm watching the movie and I'm thinking, "Damn, he's got a big ass head." Um, what? Anyway. clown shoes. What's a rerun? I love it. I don't know. Um, anyway, something. Rex pulls a nicktail and accidentally bumps the remote. 
and turns the TV on. <laughs> uh, a commercial for Al's Toy Barn comes up, and everybody's like, oh, turn it off, turn it off. And uh, Hammond's up, you know, coming up and turning it off. And, you know, I think we get a line of, oh, I hate that chicken. Um, we're then uh, introduced to my man Slinky, who comes in, you know, our, our the dog we all love. Uh, and he said he has good news and bad mm-hmm. news. And the good news is he has Woody's hat, which is great. He says the bad news is, or, you know, they say, what's the bad news? Where you, where was it? He said, well, that's the bad news. And then, boom, we hear, you know, rumblings coming from outside the door. And everybody knows that the dog that they got at the end of the first movie is he had the hat. So that makes you think, oh, man, dog likes chewing on toys. This is a nightmare. And uh, we can hear that the dog's footsteps are getting closer. The toys immediately go to close the door. Um, they tell Woody to hide, so he does, in a bag. Um, when they close the door, they don't do it in time. And the dog is still, you know, like his, his nose is um, just caught it in the nick of time. And he's way stronger than the toys, so he busts the door open. And the dog is on the loose. Uh, what kind of dog would you say this is? Anyway, the dog is just destroying these toys. You know, he's going all around the room looking for Woody. And, of course, he he ends up grabbing him and throwing him out of the bag. And we're thinking, oh, man, he's about to rip this dude to shreds. And all of a sudden, Woody comes to life and is, you know, playing with the dog. And it becomes a nice little moment of, as you know, at the end of the first movie, they're all scared or worried that, um, that they got a dog and you know Woody's like ah you know it'll be fine and he looks mm-hmm. nervous so um that's a nice little misdirection i think uh, coming into this movie um i agree uh also i got a i got a note here that when the dog is searching through the room there's like a little lincoln log cabin and he knocks that over and we see mr mm-hmm. mrs potato head kissing um just smooching just smooching um, I don't know. I think that that was hilarious. There's nothing more to say other than that. Um, this is where I also discover for the first time that uh, reach for the sky <laughs> means put your hands up. What did you think that it meant? No, it's yeah. just one of those things that you never think twice about. You mm-hmm. know, Like caught red-handed. Perfect example of something that it's like, yeah, caught red-handed, you know, and then you start to think about it a little bit more. And then you're like, oh, yeah, someone's murdered. If you murder someone, you got mm-hmm. blood on your hand. No, you're I mean, you know, this was just one of those things that's in the back of my mind. I didn't give two thoughts about. But then as soon as I think about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, reach for the sky. That makes perfect sense. I just thought it was something cool. Oh, <laughs> well, you said. thought it was a Woody <laughs> quote specifically? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> just like you're my favorite uh... deputy. Uh, moving forward, um, give me one other person on the planet that says reach. Hey man, I'm not. I'm not arguing with you. I'm just. Yeah, I don't know. What? Else? There's nothing more to say. Stick them up. I get that. That's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> anyway, reach this guy enters the room cool. at this point, and. Uh, Character models. We we've moved up a level 
Um, but I gotta say, we went from like a a D minus to a D plus, C minus. Um, we're slowly <laughs> make, making our way there. Um, but I think Andy, you know, honestly, he looks fine. Um, but some other characters yeah, that possible. we'll mention soon, uh, they they don't make the cut. Um, I'm just gonna say it. Andy's mom. Wow, rough. You can tell they put the like small effort into her because she's visible face wise mm-hmm. for maybe two scenes, maybe. Like uh, as soon as scene. Andy enters the room, he grabs Woody. Mom says, uh, "Andy, you've got five minutes," and he says, five minutes." So then we cut to like another scene that we got at the start of the first movie where Andy is and he's got one of his made up scenarios with all the toys. Um, we got an evil. Uh, Dr. Porkchop standing there with his evil hat and he's got like a little army soldiers uh, all in front of him. Uh, Again, um, Bo Peep is held uh, captive. Um, This one I think is, is, is kind of fun. You know, he, he threatens to, well, what are we going to do this time? Feed her to the shark or are we going to do death by monkeys? Um, Fun stuff, fun stuff. I think this is I think this is the one that they pull the most inspiration for mm-hmm. for the intro to Toy Story Three. Except Noble Peace yes. because we'll talk we um, about that later. And I think that this is this is kind of a fun thing because uh unlike the first movie, this one it's a little tag team between Buzz and Woody who both kinda do something to to save the day in this scenario. And uh I also think that that's a nice touch that you know it, Woody was always the mm-hmm. guy who saved the day. And then we meet Buzz Lightyear in the first movie, and we think that he's now in the driver's seat. And instead, um, they're both working together um, equally, which I think was a smart um, little touch there. So we show that Andy, you know, still probably favors Woody. I mean, shit, he's going to a a cowboy camp. um, But Buzz is, you know, right there with him. So a nice little even um, in terms of how he plays with the toys, but Andy, you know, grabs Woody's arm in the wrong way and accidentally rips it. Blew it, dude. You freaking blew Idiot. it. Idiot. Um, Andy's mom walks in, Andy's upset, and, you know, and now he gets the idea, you know what, I'm not going to bring this toy um, at all to cowboy camp. And then Andy's mom then puts Woody up on the shelf, um, and then they leave. Uh, which is freaking brutal. I mean, honestly, it's like, I don't know why you still wouldn't bring him, you know. I know. He says it at the end. In my eyes, though, maybe that's just the difference between somebody like me and like you. Um, I'm pretty reckless uh, when it comes to, or I was pretty reckless playing with toys back in the day. Um, And I feel like you were real. You seem like somebody who maybe took good care of him and, you know, didn't want anything to happen to him. Whereas I'm like, oh, he's got a ripped arm? Shit, Hell I'll yeah. put some, some bubble gum on that. We'll be good. The only the only toys I'd break apart are my Legos. My Bionicles, they'll, get the, they'll lose an arm, you know, and make them look like they're battle damaged. But if it came a certain way and it wasn't meant to have their arms popped off or anything, I made sure that it stayed that way. Dude. 
dude, have you ever watched Toy Story? They have feelings too, you idiot. Yeah, and he would have felt fine if he, he would have been happy if he got brought to the cowboy camp. Yeah, he would. He wouldn't have been happy we if he lost the, a freaking and the, and arm. He fixes it anyway. He would have been fine. No, but he was worried anyway, about losing the arm. Uh, we get the toys kind of surround the the front uh, or right in front of. Um, the shelf that Woody's on, and you know, Mr. Potato has. Oh my gosh, Woody's been shelved. And uh, <laughs> I love how there's like, yeah, it's like um, that we get an, uh, an awesome shot of, and um, one third we get Woody just sitting there, just depressed. You know, he hasn't said a word since the thing happened. And we can see in the, the other third that <laughs> we see out the window, and it's just like a normal day. Um, Whatever, but it then fades to, or actually, it might be night because he's just sitting there overnight, and then in, it fades to the next day, and we see that Andy has returned. So I'm a sucker for a good match cut or a nice little fade like that, and I think that this one works to perfection. Um, anyway, Andy busts through the door, he grabs Woody, and he starts to play with him, and I think his arm rips even more, and he says, "Oh man." I forgot you're broken. I don't want to play with I don't want to play with So then he drops Woody. Um, there's a deck of cards on the ground, and it's in slow motion, and Woody falls through the cards, and he looks like he's in the upside down. Kind of looks like we're in the intro of a James Bond movie. I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for Skyfall to start Definitely. playing. Um, we then see Woody is... <laughs> in a garbage with a whole bunch of other broken toys. And Andy, you know, is going, uh, I don't want to play. Oh, you're broken, you know, whatever. And Woody goes to climb out and these, these broken toys that are in the garbage form into like this weird monster of just toy arms and, uh, just random body parts. And they pull Woody in, um, yeah, I mean, my man's is having a nightmare. Uh, he wakes up, and uh, I think he knocks over a book when he does that. And then he sees a toy kind of facing the wall that's collecting some dust, and he turns him around, and we're now introduced to Wheezy for the first time. My man, Wheezy, Wheezy is a toy penguin up, who uh, is known for, he's got a nice little squeaker on him. Um, although his squeaker's been broken for a while and, and Woody brings that up and he's like, what happened? I thought mom said that, you know, she was taking you to get fixed. And he said that mom just said that to calm Andy down and she put him up there, which is effed. Just gotta say it. Effed. My man's. Um, and you know, he's getting maybe three words out and every three words, my man's is coughing. So... It's just not a good luck for, um, for sure. Definitely for got sure. the COVID. Um, meanwhile, while this conversation is happening, um, we see outside the window again, mom is uh, nailing a yard sale sign in the front yard, which, you know, they always find new ways to um, show situations uh, that these toys are in. And I think the yard sale is just a fantastic idea. No, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, like these scenarios that mean nothing to us, but are like, 
Oh yeah, for toys exactly. that would be quite a frightening so, thing. Uh, they round the toys up, obviously, and uh, they're kind of doing they're kind of doing attendance. You know, Buzz is making sure that everybody is there. Um, yeah, um, we can hear that um, somebody is uh, coming upstairs, so they all kind of go and hide. And Mom comes in with a box that has like twenty five cents written on it. Um, which I gotta say, if you're a toy in the twenty-five cent bin, that's a rough sight for you. Um, yeah. Uh, so she's going trash, around the room bro. grabbing random stuff. Uh, nobody of worth to us, at least. You know, she's grabbing a board game. Um, she's grabbing like yeah, it looks yeah. like a toy car, um, but like a wooden toy car, which makes me want to ask the question. How did they decide which of these toys were going to be real and which of them were going to be, you know, just toys within these toys, you know? Um, and they still haven't answered that question because Toy Story yeah, 4. Yeah, I don't know. That's something I'm really too. thinking about because it's like, well, man, like, it's weird that even though these toys come to life, like Lincoln Logs are still, you know, that's just a random object in this universe. That's not, that doesn't come to life. So then I think, well, is maybe it something it's, that's yeah, battery powered? And I'm uh... like, no, that doesn't make sense. Um, because it's like Mr. Potato Head doesn't, you know, there's tons of these toys that don't have to do with batteries necessarily to come to life. Mm-hmm. And then I'm thinking, well, it's a wooden car, you know, maybe, um, maybe, yeah. I don't know. You know, it's a weird question because we've obviously seen cars in the past come to life. I don't know. Does it have to be plastic? You know, is yeah. Um, He's plastic. Maybe, maybe you're onto something. Maybe wood is the. Yeah, I'll I'll have to keep it. Okay, no, because then there's stuffed animals too. Because you got posse bear or whatever is for. I don't know, and it's like it's weird because it's like okay, wood's off limits, but something like an etch a sketch. This technically comes to life. So, I don't know. Yeah. Like, you would think that the pieces of a board game would be able to come to life too, wouldn't you? Like the... I don't know. You maybe would we're think picking, so, Luca, but... Maybe we're you know, picking God doesn't here, answer just something that I've been thinking about. Um, well, that's... We'll talk about this when we get to cars as well, but they reference <laughs> uh, World War Two and cars, and that means that there's a car Hitler, dude. <laughs> uh, from the sounds of your hatred of that movie, you would assume that the Hitler car is in this movie. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, Woody... Or Mom ends up grabbing the, the toy Wheezy, because he's broken, and <laughs> it's thrown in the 25-cent bin. <laughs> so... You haven't seen Cars 2? It was just as catastrophic. No. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, That's pretty bad, dude. But if you think about it, like the play... (laughs) Never mind, we'll talk about it when we get to Cars. I'm going on a tangent in that (laughs) episode for sure. Okay. Um... (laughs) Wheezy's thrown in this box. And and Woody says, <laughs> "Dude, we've been going for Was he said or was he? Woody is like, "Oh shit!" You know, normally I probably wouldn't have said anything, but I just had a good talk with this dude. Everybody's looking at me. We got to spring into action. So he whistles, gets the dog's attention. 
and he rides the dog down the stairs outside of the house and uh, to the yard sale to go and save Wheezy. And I think this part is very fun because uh, Woody tells the dog, hey, keep it casual, keep it casual. So the dog starts strutting. He says, ah, maybe too casual. Or not too casual. So then, you know, the dog is uh, just, yeah. you know, doing whatever. Um, Woody makes his way through the yard sale. Uh, he saves... Um, he saves Wheezy. Uh, he puts Wheezy in basically the collar of uh, the dog, Buster. Um, but as they keep moving along, um, Wheezy starts to fall out. Woody pushes him in. All of a sudden, the dog jumps over another toy, and Woody goes flying. And obviously, he's just like on the sidewalk, so he's wide open for people to see. He plays dead. A little girl goes and picks up um, Woody. And now we have a problem because now the girl brings uh, Woody back into the main part of the yard sale. And, you know, the, we can hear the girl asking her mom if she can get a toy. The mom says no. She puts Woody on the table. And then um, we have a problem because uh, Al from Al's Toy Barn from the commercial earlier, uh, he's there. And I think he... I think he hears Woody's, you know, like the string that they pull. You know, he says, there's a snake in my boot. Maybe she play, pulls yeah. that. And he hears that, turns around instantly, um, realizes it's a Woody. He picks him up and he's like, oh, my gosh, this is incredible. Uh, he also gets a Woody. He gets a Woody. Uh, he finds Woody's hat and puts it on. No, I'm just kidding. Um, he's freaking out. He's like, oh, my gosh, it's all here. Um it's such a big collectible. Um, but I also have to say, um, when Woody originally jumps in to save Wheezy, um, it's like I said previously, he's in the 25 cent bin almost. And we get a nice little uh, word from Ham saying, he's selling himself for 25 cents. I just think that. He's like you're worth. Yeah, he's like great. you're worth more. Um, also, <laughs> we cut to a shot from the point of view of the toys upstairs looking out the window, and they're looking through goggles. So you know, we get a nice little goggle outline, and I think that's pretty. That's pretty cool. Um, they're like looking through binoculars, yep. pretty much, um, and they see um, Al pick up Woody, and he puts a couple other things on over him to kind of hide him. But Mom kind of discovers that the Woody's uh there and she's like ah no i don't think that's supposed to be here and you know he's like i'll give you five bucks for him and she's like no and he's like i'll give you 50 bucks and then we get another word from him he's like 50 bucks that's not bad um that's awesome Um, (laughs) so she takes wood she says no she takes Woody, puts him in like the cash um little bin al begins to walk away and he mm-hmm. kicks a skateboard, which causes some things to fall. He jams open the little bin that Woody was hiding in and takes Woody. So then Buzz is thinking, oh, shit. Uh, so then he freaking jumps out the window and he goes to save Woody. And if there's anything Buzz is fantastic at, it's making an entrance. Um, and he does the same here. You know, he's sliding down. He's doing all different kinds of stuff. Um, it's money. 
Uh, either way, Buzz is able to get to the end of the driveway, made it through the yard sale. He climbs on the back of the car. The car starts moving. Um, I believe he goes to open the trunk, and they hit a bump, and Buzz goes flying. So Buzz is just sitting there looking um, as the car begins to drive away, and we see these feathers falling. You're thinking, what the heck? I thought this was Toy Story 2, not Forrest Gump. Um, All of a sudden, this feather lands on Buzz, and uh, yeah, I don't know. That's the end of that scene. It is a clue. Um, we it's see, clue. we kind of get uh, the location of where the car was going. We end up at a hotel. Um, yeah, we kind of understand that, okay, he's ta- taking him to wherever he lives. Uh, cut back to the toys. Ham is leading um, kind of the search party. Uh, he's saying they're kind of going over like a crime scene in a sense. Um Ham is got the etch a sketch next to him. Um, you know, they're talking about, you know, exhibit A. And we can eat, there's a nice little picture of Woody. Uh, then they bring up uh, exhibit B, and it's the kidnapper. But it looks like Al, but he's got like a super long beard. Um, and then something like Bo Peep says, no, he mm-hmm. doesn't have a big beard like that. So then he's like, wow, so picky. Okay. So then that just sketch erases it and then has him clean shaven. Um, <laughs> And then in front of them, they also have kind of their own little um, crime scene of, like, what the street looked like and the direction that the car went, um, which, again, has me bring up, okay, so these toys are toys within this toy universe that aren't alive. I don't know. I'm scratching my head. Regardless, Rex comes in um, and just messes up everything that they're doing. Um, But... We noticed that there's one person who's not over here in this group, and it's Buzz Lightyear. And we know that Buzz is kind of doing his own thing. Um, And they all one by one kind of creep over to see what Buzz is doing on the other side of the bed. And he's got, what kind of toy would you say this is? It's like a spelling toy, pretty much. It's got the whole, man, it's like, yeah, it's got like the whole alphabet, and you can type in whatever. Um, And Buzz caught. Uh, the letters on the license plate and he's trying to rearrange them to see what they would mean. And he kind of tells them his plan. Um, and Mr. Potato Head, you know, was giving him a hard time. He's like, what? That's, that's a, you know, it's just jumbled letters. They don't mean anything. And then Ham rebuttals with that and he says, there's 3.5 million registered, or registered cars uh, in the Tri-County area alone. Um, which is just Ham's Ham's pretty good in this movie. I love, yeah. He's this is because, like, I I always loved Ham growing up, and this movie is the majority wise. Yeah, he, he, he you know, we one. brought up Mr. Potato Head in the first one, who kind of gets all the all the good lines, and in this one, Ham kind of takes the that role. Um, but. Mm-hmm. Buzz figures out that it says Al's Toy Barn, so then it becomes a you know a whole thing. They figure out um, it's Al's Toy Barn. I don't know. Um, and then they say, "Draw that, draw that man like a chicken, you know, in a chicken suit." So they actually sketch, erases, comes up chicken suit, and then it kind of zooms in, and we get the the oh, you know, they're all on the same wavelength. Uh, we cut back to Woody's side mm-hmm. of the story. And we see him, he's put in a glass case. 
Uh, we're just in this random room. You know, it just looks like this dude's apartment. Um, we hear Al in the background. He's pissed because he's got to go into work or something. Um, so he takes off. Um, we get a nice little shot of him in his car, you know, complaining to himself. Uh, he says, man, I got to drive all the way to work on a Saturday. It's just ridiculous. You see him pull out of the hotel or the apartment <laughs> complex, and he pulls in right across the street to Al's Toy Barn. Um, and, we'll, yeah. So, at this point, cool. Woody is basically trying to make his way out. Uh, I believe he even looks out the window and notices that he's across the street from Al's Toy Barn. Um He's he's kind of doing everything around the room to um, get out, and I, he's trying to open mm-hmm. like the air vent, um, and then he gets hit with a nice little piece of foam, and he's thinking, "What the heck? What's going on here?" And we're then introduced to Bullseye, who is this horse, um, who basically sneaks under Woody and lifts him up, so Woody's now riding him, and they're riding all around the room. And I think just in general, Pixar's pretty good about filming these sort of situations because we get some nice POVs um, showing the momentum of them going mm-hmm. up and down and around. Uh, makes you really feel like you're in the scene. Uh, I feel like it's something you don't necessarily have to do. Um, but maybe it is easier for them because they don't have to actually put any characters in there. Um, they just have to do the locations. Either way, I yeah. think it's a nice touch and very cinematic. Um yeah, uh, we meet Jesse, you know, now it's like, what the heck? He, uh, we meet this cowgirl. Um, she's also kind of not, I mean, I guess she's not dressed like Woody, but we can tell that all, all of these three toys seem like they would come together in a pack. Um, we, we hear this voice from the prospector. We can't see him because he's just in a box. So they turn him around and we get this old man looking like a Scooby-Doo villain in here. Um, he's a miner, um, his name's Stinky P. Uh, he is a prospector. He's a prospector. Um, they are then, you know, Woody still isn't really, nothing's really clicking for him until, um, they kind of show him how famous he is. You know, they are all excited to see him and he's never met these people in his life. So he's confused. And they basically say, look at all this stuff. And then we get the money shot of all the memorabilia of Woody. Um, which is kind of a lot like the shot from The Incredibles, looking at all Mr. Incredibles, like his desk and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Shot yeah. from Incredibles well, I think better, but It's I funny because I think that there's a lot of things in this movie specifically uh, that we see in later Pixar movies, this shot being one of them. Um, so oh, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if this kind of inspired that. Um, that seems like a stretch, but that's what I thought of when I saw it, so... Take it how you will. Anyway, Woody is, you know, he's he can't believe it. You know, he the turn or he's he's looking at all this stuff and there's Woody cereal, there's Woody records, there's uh, he's on the cover of Time and Life magazine. Um, they start to play an episode of Woody's Roundup and he's like, Oh my gosh. Uh, you sing the song for me. Woody's Roundup. <laughs> I know it's like he's the very best. He's the rootinest, tootinest cowboy like, in the wild, wild west. Woody, Woody says, Oh my up. gosh. Are you telling me that I'm Rick Dalton of Bounty Law, but a toy? 
This is incredible. <laughs> Boom. We cut back to the... And he finds himself in a better movie, dude. Can you imagine? <laughs> Shut up. Uh, we cut back to the gang, the classic gang back at Andy's house. Um, Rex is flipping through channels because they're looking for um, that Al's Toy Barn commercial. And he's going at a moderate pace, you know. And they're telling him, you know, hurry up. And he's like, I can't, you know. I'm like, I got these small arms. Sam takes over. And he's just clicking away. He's flying through. Oh, this is so and, good, too. Uh, it's it's money because you know he's going so fast you can't even comprehend what's happening, um, and he passes it. Uh, he passes the Al's commercial, and everybody's freaking out. They're like, "No, go back, go back!" And he says, "It's too late. I'm already in the forties. Got to do a full round the horn." Um, <laughs> so uh, but obviously they get to it, and there's a part in the commercial where they. Um, there's like the map of where Al's toy barn is. So quickly, the etch sketch draws it, and I think that that's just a brilliant way, um, brilliant yeah, way to clever. Kind of them, lead them to this location. We then see Buzz kind of readying up. Um, we see he's on a mission to get Woody back, and they're like, "What are you crazy doing this by yourself?" And he basically says, "You know, Woody did it for me once, so I got I'd be no friend to not try and do it back." So he's trying to kind of form a team. So then we cut to Mrs. Potato Head beginning to pack things um, in, the, in the double cheeked up trunk of Mr. Potato Head. And she's putting all the rings. She's putting a pair <laughs> of shoes in there for him. Uh, he's got a pair of angry eyes that he might need. So she throws those in there. Um, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, we then get a nice little shot. Because it's shot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, of the city of the well, apartment building. I have Bo Peep saying, "Oh, that's what it is. It's yeah. Oh, yeah, it's Bo when Peep get the says, kiss on you the know cheek. she's talking to Buzz. I liked it. I don't know. I don't know what it was about this because it's simple. You know, it's just a two shot of them. Um, but the way that it's lit because they're standing right in front of the window, so you got a nice light coming in. And I think that this for the time that it was. Um, I think this kind of shows off the animation yeah. um, of the toys. And, you know, Bo Peep says, you know, give this message to Woody if you find him. And she kisses Buzz on the cheek and, you know, he starts to blush. And he even has a great line saying, uh, you know, it's I don't think it's going to be the same coming from me, um, which I think is great. <laughs> and so they all take off. They're running down the roof and um, they're using my man Slink. Slinky um, is the way to get down to the ground. So he's up top. They grab his butt. He goes, you know, stretches down. So they land on the ground. And, you know, Rex runs up and he says, you know, for all the video game experience I have, I feel like I should be more prepared than I am. So Rex grabs on a leg and jumps off and he's screaming. Um, he comes back up and he never let go. And he just keeps coming. He won't let go of <laughs> Slinky, and uh, they even throw out a line as thought. I think you're missing the point that you're supposed to let go. Um, so that's great. Um, and as everybody's saying goodbye, we get a nice little word from Mrs. Potato Head where she says, Don't talk to any toys you don't know, which I think is great. Um, and we get a nice little thing from Buzz saying, uh, To Al's Toy Barn and Beyond. Which 
is kind of so on the nose that I love it. You know, I just wasn't expecting it um, for whatever reason. And I thought, I like that. Anyway, uh, we cut back to Woody's side of things. And uh, Woody's watching another episode of uh, Woody's Roundup. Uh, It ends and he instantly wants to watch another one. Um, He's simply just going through all these toys that... Now here's something. Okay. No, this is something interesting. It's because <laughs> these TV execs must be the most bloodthirsty ever. It literally says, "It says, all right, will they make it or will they not make it? Tune in for the series finale of Woody's Roundup." And then Woody's like, "Oh my god, let's watch it!" And then Jesse's like, "Oh, they canceled." <laughs> <laughs> you tell me they canceled this show. And there's one episode left. <laughs> There's no way in hell. <laughs> it's just something that I thought was funny. It is like, all right, I guess we'll just let that one slide. <laughs> but yeah, he's playing with yeah, toys. Uh, we get all different kinds of, you know, Woody toys. It's like there's one that's the shape of his uh, his face and his teeth. Um, is he's smiling pretty much, and it looks like a carnival game because he throws a ball. It's his tooth goes out, and you know he's of course talking himself up. He's like, "Look at this guy, Mister Tooth, still looks as good as ever." Um, yeah, um, he shoots the snake out of the boot for mm-hmm. Bullseye to go fetch. Yeah, yeah, I he kind of he just finds all different kinds of stuff. Um, and I can't remember. They get on the record. They oh, start that's what it is on the record. Um, because, be, well, because they mentioned they um, that they're going to Tokyo. And he's like, what? I can't go to Tokyo. And it becomes a whole argument yeah. between them. Um, and he basically says, you know, I have an owner, blah, 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 blah. Um, I can't go to Tokyo. And the prospector, basically, he's like, you should be lucky. And he says, look, or he's like, you should, you are lucky for even being in the scenario, you know, to go and be in a museum. And he's like, Lucky, are you shrink-wrapped? I think that that line is awesome. Um, but yeah, it just basically becomes an argument because they kind of flip the whole narrative on him and saying how he got taken from a yard sale. And they're like, yard sale? Why are you in a yard sale? I thought the Sandy Kid loved you. And he's like, dude, what the f- That's oh, not why I was saving another toy. It just, you know, it's annoying. Um no, yeah, it pisses me off because, like, that's the one thing that I hate is when people just don't let you finish talking and then they keep saying stuff that makes them think that they're right. You're like, no, let me freaking talk. And that's the exact scenario that's happening to yeah. Woods. Um, so, it, you know, it's just a back and forth. But he says, no, I'm absolutely not going. And that's all there is to it. Uh, we cut back to Buzz's side of things. And I kind of like that it's a back and forth. We have two storylines going on. Um. Oh, oh. Woody's arm gets ripped off. Oh yeah, I forgot. Al comes home. Um, he grabs Woody out of his little glass thing, and um, like a little. Oh man, it's not yarn, is it? A little piece of yeah, thread like of Woody's thread. arm gets kind of stuck on a little thing that holds him up in the glass case and it ultimately pulls his arm off 
Um, I also will note that before, you know, because obviously they hear Al come and open in the door, so they have to go and hide. Um, Jesse's real freaking out about having to go back in this box. She's like, I won't do it. I don't want to, you know, do it again. And the prospector, Stinky Pete, basically tells her, I promise you, you're going to be able to come out of the box, which I think is real interesting. Mm-hmm. But anyway, like we said, he comes in, grabs Woody. Woody's arm comes off. He's freaking out. He makes a call. He's calling the wolf um, to come and save the day, baby. Um, he can't make it that night, so he's got to come in the morning. So they settle on the morning. Al leaves the room. Woody wakes up. He's freaking out. Doesn't have an arm. Uh, the prospector says, hey, man, you know, it's it's nothing serious. You should be stitched up. He's like, are you freaking kidding me? Um, so things just aren't going so hard for Woody at the moment. And anyway, we cut back Big to Buzz, back. and uh, we see this middle of the night. They're kind of in some bushes, and he runs across to like a mailbox, kind of, or it's not a mailbox, but it's like one of the big ones you see in front of buildings. That what is that called? I mean, it's kind of some of that box, but it's like the bigger blue ones. Yeah, it's like the giant. Uh, uh, Outgoing mail wow. center. <laughs> um, go ahead and give us a one and a half star review. No, I'm just kidding. Give us a two star <laughs> review for Toy Story 2. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think this is one of my favorite parts of the movie just because I am dumb. Um, no, this is literally probably one of my top stories. <laughs> Buzz basically gives them the thumbs up that they're good to go <laughs> and to come to him. So Rex is the first one who comes from the bushes to this mailbox. And he's carrying all these leaves that make him, you know, basically camouflage with the bush. And when he's running, he's moving with so much momentum that one by one, these petals of leaves start to fall off of him. So by the time that he gets to Buzz, he's literally holding like the only two that he can fit in his hands and everything else has disappeared and flown away. Um, What else do you say other than flawless? Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, um, we then, oh, this part's pretty good too. This is kind of the iconic one. Um, this is literally one of my favorites. <laughs> so favorite then Ham comes, <laughs> you know, I think Mr. Potato Head maybe comes next and then Ham comes, but he, uh, accidentally pops the little hole in his tummy and, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, does like a front and then flip all the change falls out, and he's like, "Oh man, uh, nobody look until my cork's back in." <laughs> I don't know why I laugh, uh, dude. I freaking love it. I laugh out loud every single time. <laughs> Buzz, it's like stuck with me from my entire childhood, dude. <laughs> I don't know why. It's so stupid, but it's like brilliant at the same time. Like, oh, all right. No one looking to us. I think Pixar's always pretty good about having these sort of moments in movies. You know, I think uh, it's mm-hmm. it's kind of like the you guys made me ink uh, of this movie. You know, it's like yeah, the one yeah, yeah. the one liner that always <laughs> kind of sure. sticks with you. Um, Buzz then opens up his little wrist thing, and he's like, "Okay, we got two blocks down. We have nineteen to go." And of course, at this point, everybody's just like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, they're they're spent. Um, but then we get arguably top three shot of the movie here for me. 
um, Buzz kind of gives them a pep talk, right? And as he's standing there, um, it's it's like a medium shot. So we're getting waist up of him. You know, he's got his arms um, spread out and he's giving this motivational speech. And then an American flag appears behind him as the background. Then all of a sudden, you know, Buzz starts to fade and it's just the American flag. And then it turns black and white. And then we pan out a little bit and we see... Yeah, we're uh, watching TV back in Al's apartment. And then um, I go to the bathroom to throw up because I can't believe what I just saw. Uh, we see Al is sleeping. Um, he's sitting there with a bowl of cheese puffs, which I got to say, the bowl is completely Man. full. And his fingers are completely covered in cheese puffs. Um, Nasty little freaking... Uh, God, disgusting anyway, human, dude. Uh, Woody basically notices that his arm is in Al's little shirt pocket. So he goes out and he is, I don't know what he's going to do with it, but he's going after his arm pretty much. And as soon as he takes one step, you hear a crunch. He looks down, he steps on a Cheeto because Al had knocked over the bowl and now there's Cheetos all over the ground. Um, What a disaster, too. How did it get that (laughs) far? So now... it's not, well, because it's like it's not like the bowl is like knocked over on its side. It's like fr- completely down. So it's like, how did any of I'm these sure even the escape that far? That way, uh, I don't know. That thing was freaking full, dude. I'm sure if even half of it hitting the floor, it it works for me. Um, anyway, uh, Woody is now strategically moving his way across the room, and we we can visually see that he doesn't step on anything, but we still hear a crunch. So then we look up and, you know, Woody's confused and he turns around and Bullseye is right behind him. Uh, and he just stepped on Hell uh, yeah. on a Cheeto. So then he's got to basically kind of tell him what the plan is. And I got to say, I love Bullseye in this movie. Um, for a character who can't talk, I think I that too. they use him to perfection. Um, yep. Yeah, nothing else to say other than that. Um He makes his way up onto the couch, and all of a sudden, you know, Woody hears another noise. He looks down, and Bullseye is now licking the fingers, the cheesy fingers of Al, which then brings me to my next question for you is, so wait, can toys taste stuff? Do they still eat? This is the first time I've seen a toy eat in this movie. Does Bullseye even have a tongue? Even if he has a tongue. If he if it if his toy isn't meant for his mouth to open, should he not have? He should never. Know, dude. These are they're they're making me scratch my head a little. We bit. live in the. Uh, maybe it's in some post uh, nuclear fallout world where it's like the culture was reset, except some of the toys were like everything's exposed to radiation. At this you point, know? am so I thinking? Is this the X Men franchise? Or are we just going all over the place now? Um, are we about to reset in Toy Story 3 and be in a different timeline? Um, anyway, uh, the TV somehow gets turned back on. Uh, Al wakes up. Um, Woody then plays dead on the floor. Uh, Al is freaking out. He's like, what the heck? You know, he puts him back in there. Um, and he, I don't know if he, I think he leaves the room. But we can notice that the remote yeah. is laying on the ground right in front of Woody's case, right by the box that Jesse and Bullseye and the Prospector 
we're in. So then it kind of turns into a fight back and forth. Um, well, the remote's like in front of Jesse's cage. And later on, future spoilers, we find out that the prospector did this. But wouldn't Jesse, even though she's playing dead, she would have still saw the prospector get out of his box and turn on the freaking TV. Especially with her um, fear of being stuck in a box for so long. I think any moment of it opening, um, she would instantly get up, get out, let alone. All I'm saying, Jesse, Jesse's equal part of this whole thing. Um. Anyway, Jesse and Jesse. obviously start to fight because he starts to blame it on her. Um, turns into a whole thing. Uh, we then cut back to Buzz and the gang. Who um, it's the we can obviously see it's the middle of the day. Um, everybody at this point is you know barely they're just barely there. Uh, they've been walking so long that everybody's beat. Um, we get my, maybe my personal favorite line of the movie. Um, where Ham says, hey, Buzz, can we slow down? Some of us are carrying over $6 and change here. Um, I thought that's <laughs> awesome. And then everybody kind of lines up, and he says, is everybody here? And Mr. Potato Head says, not everybody. And they look at Slinky, and then his like upper half is there, but his bottom half is still way, way back there. And it's barely even, <laughs> and it finally catches up to him. Um, but they finally have kind of hit their destination. They look through um, the bushes and find that they are. Well, Ham's like, Ham's like, hey, why did the toys cross the road? And then Buzz is like, not now, Ham. And then Rex is like, I love Rails. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> He's like, to get to the chicken on the other side. And then it sounds and, you know, they're all relieved, but at the same time, I think a random like Coke can flies into the street and it just immediately yeah. gets run over and flies right back to him. Um, <laughs> so then, you know, somebody says, All right, well, it was a good trip. Uh, well, it lasted. They turn around and bus says, No, we're getting across the street. And they're like, Well, how the heck are we going to do that? Um, so then we see them using uh, like orange cones. Uh, they each get their own cone, and they're slowly creeping their way um, across the street. Uh, <laughs> um, the first car, you know, as soon as the car comes, they stop, and um, it, they lead, basically lead a car to drive into a parking lot that has spikes, so the car's tires are slashed. Um, they keep going, and I'm just going to, this is a disaster pretty much. Every time they stop, um, they force a the car to turn around and do like a complete 180. Um, so then, it, yeah, they just car at, they oh, cause absolutely. At least a there's a deaths, semi yeah. that avoids them. Um, and the backside of it swings around and just narrowly misses them. Um, but that's carrying a big, like, cement cylinder, which it's like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, it's like a, no, it's for, uh, um, Oh, what is it for? Like bridges and stuff like that, and okay. pipelines. Okay. I'm following. Um, it's like a half pipe, but it's a full. Pipe. There it is, folks. <laughs> We're struggling our way through this, but um, <laughs> it, uh, we're at a hundred minutes. Falls off the back of the truck. 
And Mr. At the at this point, everybody's pretty much made it across the street except for Mr. Potato Head, who has stepped on a piece of gum, so his foot goes off, uh, or comes off, and he's got to basically go backwards, grab his foot, and we can see that this big cement thing is coming towards him. Um, he makes it in time, of course, but uh, we're just left with a wide shot of all the cars that are piled up, and I gotta say. Weird how the first two Toy Story movies both caused major accidents. Um, and I think this one's even, yeah. it's just funny because not only do we see this huge pile up, but as the toys exit the frame, like a light post also falls into frame. And yeah, they say something yeah. like, oh yeah, perfect. Um, yeah. We got so, out of there. Um, we cut back to. Uh, Woody side of things, and uh, my man, the wolf, maybe the greatest Pixar character, finally shows up because it's the next morning. Um, because he's there to say, you know, they're in a they're in a pickle, and he's called to save the day and fix the situation. He's the freaking wolf from Pulp Fiction, dude. Um, Okay, okay. I hate you. What if Tarantino directed Toy Story? Uh, <laughs> Is that no, the best dude? I can't have my toys dropping n bombs. That's only if Quentin's one of them. Um, <laughs> Dang, no, true. dude, are you kidding me? You've seen Django. You've seen the cowboy movies. What the lead character is a cowboy? They're freaking throwing that shit around <laughs> left and right. <laughs> You're right, it's like a freaking mind feeling. Uh, yeah, and I think Buzz getting blown up at the beginning is literally like... <laughs> oh, man, I can't even imagine. Somehow there's blood on the screen for 90% of this movie. This car accident that just happened, we're seeing at least... Oh, we're showing... It, it shows all the bodies. like uh, the end of Kill Bill Volume 1. Um, it's just going to be a massacre. We're for sure seeing somebody get run over by this uh, cement cylinder. Anyway, <laughs> moving back. Um, dude shows up. Not yet, though. ASMR He's just getting set up. We get a nice little taste of it with some music going. He opens. This is the yes. This is the guy from the yeah. chest short, right? Mm-hmm. And he same model and everything. Yep, yep. Little reference he, uh, with the piece. He's got all his little instruments going. He opens up his uh, his little bar. What are those things called? I, I mostly see them like for makeup and stuff, but it look, just looks like a normal box. But you open it up, and there's all these different compartments in there. Um, uh, it's yeah, it's like a toolbox, tackle box. Growing up, I box. always wanted one because I felt I like know. to kill all vampires. That's what you'd put all of your supplies in. Um, Were you sad uh, when well, you realized vampires uh, are real? Funny you say that because I've seen the Twilight series and jokes on you. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, jokes on me for having to listen to that. Oh, do you hear that? Technical difficulties because <laughs> I'm crying myself to sleep tonight, um, and my tears are falling out of my <laughs> microphone. So you're gonna have to give me a second. We're we we are now fourteen minutes over the runtime. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, we spent we spent we're about a third minutes. through. 
with the opening of this. So we might not be that bad. Um, yeah, we got it. Now we got to remember that Anchor hates us, so it's going to cut off out two hours and we'll have to redo it. Like, well, we Anchor also a hates session it because going. you can't upload a podcast that's over like two hours and I don't know. I know. You so press that's that another mother. thing we're going to run into because this is going to be long. Um, anyway. This is the first three-hour podcast. Um, Al's basically creeping over my man's shoulder before he's getting to work. I'm fixing Woody. And my man's basically says, you can't rush art, which is great. Um, we cut back and we see a nice little shot of, it looks like a still picture of cows um, just in an open field. Then all of a sudden we see this cow come into frame, but we hear like the, the noise of a cart. Um, and we realize that we are right outside of Al's toy bar. Um, the cart all the cards have cows on them. And forgive me. I thought I was going to sneeze. Oh, I'm good. Okay. Interesting that uh, they made, like, Al's toy barn, like, kind of blocked off by these two giant buildings, these two giant walls next to it, uh, so that they don't have to render down a sight line down the road, Very you smart. know? Smart. Um, kind of gave me a little bit of a lot of land vibe, just with the, the shot of just, like, the big wall with the big painting on it. Yeah, yeah buddy. the orange, yeah. Um, anyway, um, the gang shows up. Uh, they've finally gotten across the street. They've made their way to their destination now. The only thing is they have to get inside. And uh, it's not a normal door. It's like uh, one of those ones that... Um, it's it's an automatic door it's that an automatic door. opens... Uh, pressure pressure sensitive. sensitive. That's the word I'm looking for. Um and they are not you, strong. Like the the weight of all of them standing on it isn't enough. So all at the same time, they have to jump up and down, and then boom, it opens. Um, I always thought it was funny because of just how big their personalities are. It just puts it into perspective when they step on like one of those mm-hmm. freaking things. They just um, not heavy enough. Yeah. So they all walk in, and we then cut back to. Um, we get the ultimate ASMR um, scene. We, my man's is Hell yeah. cleaning up. He's not just fixing his arm. He's cleaning this dude up. You know, he's giving him rosy cheeks again. Uh, he's, he's stitching that arm, and we get a nice little shot from inside of Woody's arm. You know, so we see it being stitched together, and then it, you know, closes uh, the, the frame to black, which I think is kind of neat. Um he gets his little pumper going, and he he paints the bottom of Woody's uh, foot. Um, yeah, there's a. Uh, this is quite the scene. I didn't know what ASMR was until I saw the scene, um, which which I'm sure that everybody can kind of relate oh, to. Yeah. Um, imagine being in a theater and seeing this for the first time. Oh yeah, I was. But I had peanut brains, so I couldn't comprehend. <laughs> uh, we then cut back to the gang, and they kind of split up. Um, we're following Buzz at this point, and he runs into the uh, it's not the aisle um, of all the Buzz Lightyear toys, and there's just the fowls and uh, of, of... oh, 
dude. That that's yeah, one of my favorite shots so in the many. movie. He's all and they're all in their own box, and he's just you know. Uh, I think everything it's really brought him down to earth. Just seeing, wow, there's a lot. Not only am I a toy, but there's yeah. way more of me out there. Um, but as he's working his way down the aisle, he sees like a big sign that says new and improved utility bill. So of course he climbs in there and I love this shot because it is straight from the first movie, the way that they first present buzz for the first time where Woody climbs up on the bed and then uh, we kind of see him between Buzz's mm-hmm. legs. They do the same thing here with Buzz climbing up on top um, of this uh, exhibit, kind of. And uh, he's looking at this new and improved Buzz Lightyear toy with this new belt. Um, I, love, I love the callbacks there. Um, and, uh, yeah. you know, Buzz is looking at this belt and he's like, oh, man, do I touch it? Yeah, touch it. And uh, all of a sudden, boom, 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 the other buzz comes to life and uh, basically forces him up against the glass. And he tells him he's breaking some laws and he's giving him the full normal buzz light here from the first movie. Um, It's the same deal. We obviously know that this new buzz does not realize he's a toy. So he is basically trying to arrest um, the buzz that we know and love. And Buzz is like, man, was I this crazy mm-hmm. back in the day? This dude's driving me crazy. And he's like, you realize you're a toy, right? And he's like, oh, don't be insane. And he shoots his laser at him. The new Buzz goes fine. He's like, oh, you could have killed me. You know, it turns into a whole thing. Um, but, uh, mm-hmm. What's going on here? Okay. Um, we then kind of go from this back to... Um, like the other gang and Rex is now reading a new Buzz Lightyear uh, game manual from the game that he played at the beginning of the movie. Um, Ham comes up with a car. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all hop in. Uh, we cut back. Buzz now is officially kind of fighting, or like the new Buzz is fighting the one we know and love. Um, and he locks him inside of a, like one of the normal um, Buzz Lightyear boxes, which then makes me want to know, so they just have an extra empty box? You know what I mean? I don't know. That's just something I was thinking yeah. about. Um, Maybe they murdered that yeah, buzz that and replaced and it with It makes sense buzz. that they wouldn't put that in the movie. Um, Tarantino's like, what are you guys doing? This is gold here. Um, cut back. The gang in the <laughs> car pulls up. We meet some Barbies for the first time. That's pretty neat. Um, they're all having a they're all having, Hell a, yeah. they're having like a pool party. Um, it's kind of funny because Mr. Potato Head, he's like, he basically says, I'm a married man. I'm a married man. I'm a married man. He's yeah, like, yeah, I'm a married spud. I'm a married um, spud. Which is great. And obviously they're asking for directions. Hey, where's Al and the Al's toy barn? And um, this Barbie flies in and kind of takes over the driver's seat. And... Um, says that she's a tour guide, Barbie, and that she'll kind of take them on a little tour. And then Ham works his way up seat or to the front seat. He says, hey, make some room for the single people in the car. Uh, Freaking money. And money, the car cash, starts nope. flying, and that causes uh, Rex to fall out of the back. So then we get my favorite shot of the movie and we're looking in like the rear view mirror on the side of um, 
the driver's seat and we see Rex chasing after the car and mm-hmm. it's straight out of Jurassic Park. So, I mean, how do you get better? Yeah, that's than that? great. Um, at this time, we cut back to Woody's side of the story. Woody is now all fixed up and they're basically doing a photo shoot with him. Um, and he's just ecstatic about the makeover that um, has happened. He's like, are you kidding me? Look at this. Are you, I'm, I'm the man, pretty much. And um, then it seems like things are on a good note, but he still talks about um, leaving, pretty much. And, you know, Jesse gets all sad mm-hmm. and it becomes a whole thing. And, you know, he goes, you know, she goes and sits by the windowsill. Uh, Woody comes over and then we get the... Uh, most brutal part of the movie we get a montage of jesse's just backstory and i gotta say heartbreak you know we always talk about uh the opening of up but jesus this is right up there this is freaking rough to watch um we get uh we get a flashback of a time when Jesse was owned by somebody and, you know, they're, uh, she's getting played with left and right. You know, it's the middle of the night and they're hiding under a blanket with a light. And, uh, there's all different kinds of scenarios. They're in the car together. Um, they're playing, it's the middle of autumn and there's leaves everywhere and they're playing outside. Uh, all of a sudden, um, there's a shot of Jesse, on the bed she falls behind the bed and looks out and um we see all the toys that are on the ground slowly start to fade and uh her owner has now got friends over and they're all painting their nails uh we get a shot of like uh i don't know toys and other you know posters of toys and whatever on the walls slowly fade. All the toys are gone. Now we're, we see like rock posters, like music posters, and there's records on the table. Um, we, we basically come to realize that her owner has grown up. And it's just freaking rough, dude. She's just under this, uh, under this bed collecting dust. And all of a sudden, uh, she's not alone under there anymore. Now she's right there with all of the other cowgirl toys that um, she was with before. Um, How many um, toys do you think you did this to? I had a lot of action figures. So a lot, probably. Well, I never put them under my bed. I had a toy box, so they were all chilling together for sure. Um, But, yeah. It probably wasn't any better. Um, anyway, now I'm going to say it, thinking about how I how I diss my toys. Um, yeah, yeah. Regardless, uh, I think a ball or something ends up falling or rolling under the bed. Girl reaches her hand under, feels Jesse, pulls her out, and then we kind of repeat the same shot of them in the car. She's sitting right next to um, her owner, like it was just like the good old days. And uh, all of a sudden, she's putting a box, and then we're thinking, what the heck? And all the other toys are putting the same box, and there's foam in there, and you're thinking, what is going on? Uh, you know, we're in like this, it looked like the same location that they were before. It's like autumn, there's a big tree, um, but they're we're just in the middle of nowhere, pretty much. And then all of a sudden, the car drives off, and they're just freaking left outside, dude. 
we get a we get a wide shot Devastating. of this truck, which also has me confused because it looks like a moving van, but it says donations. Um, I've mm-hmm. never seen a donation been like this before. Um, it's just like it looks like a moving van um, with the back completely open, and there's just all these boxes laying around in the middle of the country. I'm confused on what's going on here. Can you maybe elaborate this for me? Maybe we don't see it because it would make more work for it, but maybe it's like uh, grandma's house or something, and they just yeah. I don't know. At that point, you know, I don't know. Well, but maybe it's from Jesse's perspective, and it's just you know, it's would be like how Courage mm-hmm. the Cowardly Dog is just from a cow's perspective. That sort of vibe. Um, I don't know. It always was something that I brought question marks to my face. Uh, completely devastating. Um, yeah, so at this point, you know, Woody is now having second thoughts about leaving. Um, he sees what Jesse's been through, how much this means to her. He's kind of starting to see the other side of um, life after your your owner grows up. You know what? There's going to be a day where Andy's not going to play with him anymore. So maybe going to this museum is the right move. Um, yeah. Yeah, like the prospector even says something like, what happens when Andy grows up, when he goes yeah, to college? You know, that sort of thing. It's like, I guess uh, we'll find out. kind of has him uh, second-guessing himself. Um, Woody's hesitant to leave. We then cut to um, the gang again who have broken into Al's office, and they are searching for stuff. Um no luck, no Woody. Um, but we do get a nice little cameo of Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Hell yeah. Get into an argument and they say, oh yeah, and then they just start fighting each other and both their heads pop up. And uh, again, they find a way to find an old toy that brings you back and you're like, oh, this is the cameo. I didn't, I wasn't expecting what I needed in my life. Um, we, man, I think Al then shows up to work and busts in. Um, He's like, obviously he jumps in his office and he's got a bag with him and he just puts a bunch of stuff in the bag. Um, The toys then decide to jump in the bag. Um, He's like scans photos, right? Faxes photos over. Yeah, he's doing something. I can't remember what it is, but um, at this point, like Buzz and the other toys are like on other side. They're like on separate sides of the room. Um, so they come up with the idea to ho- all hop in the bag because they're going to go wherever. Uh, oh, that's what it is. No, because at this point, it's the it's the new buzz. Yes. Yeah, because the old buzz got put in the box, and so now we have the new buzz. The gang meets up with buzz. They're looking through the office. Um, so at this point, um, the new buzz really isn't much help. Um, but they come up with a whole idea and plan to hop in the bag that will take them to their new destination of wherever Woody is. Um, we then cut to uh, the buzz we know and love, and he has broken out of his um, his box that he was tied, um, tied in. And he sees Al come out of the office, and he sees the bag he's holding, and we see Rex's tail hanging out. Um, so then he does his, does his thing is falling in style and makes his way across the um, the store only to kind of get, um, basically gets hit in the face with the door pretty much. 
he's flying and then boom um doesn't quite make it in time and the al puts toys in the car and he takes off and buzz is thinking um but all of a sudden he he notices that al just goes across the street and that that's where he stays um so thumbs up to buzz in this scenario um but um he also is having the same problem they had earlier because Mm -hmm. he doesn't have enough weight to open the door um so he knocks over a bunch of standing it's like a stack of toys next to him which open the door and he takes off to move back across the street um but at the same time we see that he has accidentally knocked over a zerg box and we see zerg's arm break through um the box so exciting stuff for sure love that shot um Oh, I love the shot too when it like goes behind his head mm-hmm. and it says "Look here." Oh, and then it yeah. goes into his eyes, dude. Freaking money. Yeah, it's like all red too. Um, and then as he's one... walking, he's like, "Must destroy Buzz Lightyear" or something mm-hmm. like that. And he just keeps repeating it, and then it goes to like a wide. Mm-hmm. And it's, he's like, maybe, maybe a yard or two. <laughs> oh, it's freaking dumb, dude. I love it. Um. We then cut back to the other toys who are in, um, they're in Al's car, and obviously we have the new Buzz in there, so he is still full Space Ranger mode, and he says, okay, I'm going to use my, I don't know, his wing, his freaking wings, and we're going to fly through the top of this car, so he presses them, and he doesn't move at all, and, you know, everyone is kind of looking at him like, what the heck is this guy doing? So Mr. Potato Head then gets the idea, oh, I'm going to open the door. And that's a disaster. His arms pop off, and he goes flying, and New Buzz finds a way to open the door. So they successfully make their way out of the car. Um, We see that, or the New Buzz notices that Al has made it to level 23. So he uses the elevator, and he's on the 23rd floor, which looks like the top floor. Um, So they basically... Uh, make their way. They're they well. They're sitting there talking. How are we gonna? How are we gonna make our way up there? And this is another reference where I'm like, there's got to be something more to this because Rex comes up with the suggestion. Well, if we can find enough balloons, we can float to the top. Yeah, and I'm thinking, crazy. ooh, that's pretty. That's pretty on the nose for up. Um. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, they kind of make their way to the side of the apartment building where there's another air vent um, and they kind of sneak their way in there and they're working their way up uh, the building pretty much um, they hear a subtle or a sudden rumbling um, in the little shaft that they're in and Buzz freaks out he goes to the wall and he says oh uh, what does he say he says like the, the walls are closing in on us Let's use, let's use vegetable man to pry the you know, the walls from from closing in, and uh, they realize that um, it's just the elevator. So they go running that way, and then we cut back to our Buzz, who is now made it across the street, and he has followed the footsteps of um, the toys, and he sees that they kind of climb their way into the air vent, and he is just kind of right on their trail. Um, what the heck? Man, I I write like chicken scratch. 
Um, anyway, um, we have. Oh, we then. This is actually okay. 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 We then cut to. This is Woody's famous meme of him that we always use all the time. Love it. Um, we we basically just see the outside of a box, and. Uh, <laughs> We see the outside of a box, and uh, you know Woody's basically saying, "Oh," uh, or Jesse's maybe saying something, and Woody's cheering her on, basically saying, "Don't forget to say this question or say that and say this." Yeah. So she's kind of setting it up, you know. She's talking the wonderful, the powerful, you know, the whatever, and then boom, Woody kicks open the door, and he's just full of himself at this point. Um, yeah. Uh, it's like he's a famous. Uh, they're kind of reenacting the TV show in a sense. Yeah, um, and he's just a freaking tool. Um, so hey, don't hate on my man's like that. I'm just throwing it out there. Um, also, I must note that the the gang with New Buzz have decided not to use the elevator, but to the buzzes. He's got suction cups all of a sudden, so he by himself is suction cupping his way to the top of this building and they're all attached to some rope um hanging below him which is like can you imagine that much weight they got a freaking t-rex and a piggy bank full of money um, hey buzz got buzz is swole dude i don't know what you're talking about okay well anyway um we cut back to them suction cupping their way up and uh, Rex basically says, you know, I can't hold on much longer. And Buzz says, you know, we're halfway there. And Rex slowly starts to slide down the rope. Oh, he goes into, he goes ass first into the face of Ham. And they all slide their way down to the bottom of this rope. So they're all just hanging on to each other for dear life. And at that point, apparently that is now too much weight for Buzz. So he can barely hold on. And he basically says, ah, I'm going to use my zero gravity belt um, to fly us up there. And, uh, you know, he's like, so I'm going to let go. And they're like, what? Don't let go. What the heck? <laughs> um, and he does. So they all go flying. They all fall out of frame. Camera stays. And then all of a sudden we get a nice orange light. And Buzz is sitting there pretending like he's flying. And he's standing um, on top of them because <laughs> the elevator has moved its way up to um, – to that level and Brilliant. uh yeah it's good stuff and we also you know elevator keeps going and we see that buzz is on the bottom of he's like held onto the bus so they're on the top he's on the bottom um very spider-man very james bond of him anyway um at this point you know whether it's cutting back and forth or not the gang um hears and sees woody uh, they run through the air vent, you know, and there's only that little metal uh, part separating them. Uh, it becomes a whole thing. They freaking bust in and uh, we get a nice little gag here uh, with uh, they basically use Rex's head to, to yeah, go the like... door. He says, well, how are we going to open this? And then Buzz says, use your head. And then they're all holding him. Boom. They use him to open the. He says, oh. Yes. Ham comes in and he says, or he basically hops on the box at the pro- prospector's end. He's like, you've heard of Kung Fu. Well, this is pork chop. 
Oh my god, are you freaking kidding me? Money, dude. And then Mr. Potato Head comes in and he says, I'll be prepared for Mr. Angry Eyes. <laughs> and he doesn't have his angry eyes and he's got two more shoes on his eyes. And We're causes... talking max IQ of this group is a solid four. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe a, ha- a hair above the carnival group from a bug's life. <laughs> just a scotch. No, I'm just kidding. These guys run circles around those guys. Um, yeah, so he, Mr. Potato Head, pretty much runs into the wall. Um, <laughs> we get, we then get a nice little um, battle between Slinky and Bullseye. You know, they're growling at each other, circling, and everyone's like, hey, hey. At this point, um, the real Buzz has made his way to the top and, and busted into the room, and then it becomes a thing. Which buzz is the real buzz? You know, they're both saying, no, I'm the real buzz right here. I'm the real buzz right here. And all the real no, buzz has to, do, has, all he has to do is walk up, press this little helmet thing, and then uh, the new buzz is obviously freaking out. <gasps> Love it. Like he can't breathe. Then we get a nice little shot of Buzz lifting his foot up. You see Andy on the bottom. And then there's also like some dirt there. I think that's a good touch. Um, oh, yeah. But they obviously all, they greet Buzz and that whole thing. Um, yeah. Um, and basically, you know, the, the new Buzz is confused at this point And uh, the Buzz we love walks up to him, puts his shoulder on, or his arm around his shoulder and says, uh, we, what we got here is a simple code 536 or 536. And he's like, really? So he's a, yep. And she's a, yep. He says, oh, okay, okay. Um, which is nice little BS to kind of work your way through the rest of the story. Uh, but I, I think it's funny and it, it fits. Um, but uh, Woody basically, he... He shows them the TV show that he's a part of. He shows them all the memorabilia and starts to kind of tell them that he doesn't want to leave. You know, he's kind of found a new home. He realizes that Andy is going to grow up and he doesn't want to be there for, for that heartbreak. And, uh, you know, obviously Buzz is giving him a hard time about it. But uh, finally Buzz throws up his hand and says, all right, we're going to leave. So one by one, the gang goes through the air vent again. And uh, it kind of, it's like the, the, the famous thing where Buzz gets one last line, and, you know, um, they're still bickering back and forth and Buzz leaves. So but, uh, Woody's left there and he doesn't really know what to think. And all of a sudden on the TV, uh, on the TV show, Woody begins to sing, you've got a friend in me. Dang. Um, so then that makes me think, well, what the heck? So that song also exists within this universe. Um, okay. So then you're thinking, that, well, is that, what, that of a is, well. that what, is that what this song is from then? Is this song from that TV show? I don't know. Um, regardless, you know, Woody is rethinking everything and he looks at his boot again and scratches off the new paint and you can still see the Andy underneath. Um, not sure if you'd actually be able to see it, but okay, we're going to go with it. Um, and he basically thinks, you know what, I have to go back. Um, and before he goes to leave, he says, you know what? 
And he goes over to Jesse and pulls. And he says, you guys should come with me. You know, um, you'll have an owner again. I promise he'll pay with you. Um, at this point, we hear that the air vent is now closed. And we see that the Stinky Pete is basically saying he turns heel pretty much yeah. and locks the vent with his little, uh, what are those things called? Pickaxe. Uh, he locks the vent with that. He like rescrews in the screw, and uh, yeah, he uh, he gives his basically evil villain speech that you're not gonna mess this up for everybody, you know. Um, he really doesn't give up that much of a fight, honestly. He kind of gets back in his box, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, but Woody Woody has a good line here. Where he says, "You're out of your box." Um, but the way he says it kind of comes off like you're out of your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, simple, but works for me. Effective, and simple, but effective. Dude. For sure, for sure. Um, at this little point, um, Al returns to uh, the room, so they all play dead. He, um, all right, I think even before this happens. Woody, when he runs over to kind of join the gang, he yells to them that he is going to. Yeah, he's coming with them, so they're aware that yes. of, that he's coming back. Um, but then the stinky Pete thing happens. Al comes back, puts them all in this nice little fancy suitcase, um, and leaves with them. So now the gang is trying to rescue Woody again. Um, but when they get back to the elevator. We are then given the entrance of Zerg. Go. The the evil villain of Buzz Lightyear. Um, So now it's kind of cool because the way it's shot is the same way as the video game. Obviously the location's different. Um, We're on top of an elevator. But it's, you know, they're doing the same moves as they did in the game. He's throwing, like, circular discs at him. He does, he jumps over um, Zerg. And in the same shot as the beginning, he actually hits him with his laser. Uh, that kind of blinds Zerg. And, um, you know, long story short, uh, Buzz ends up getting caught and is, he's about to, I guess he's about to die, and, you know. But yeah, Rex yeah. Rex shows up. He's like, oh, man, what the heck? I thought that you'd be able to get out of this. I can't even, I can't bear to see this. So Rex says, I can't, you know, I can't look. And he turns, and his tail hits Zerg, and Zerg goes flying off the elevator. Um, but even, I guess even before that, we get... I think this is a little too on the nose. I think they could have done it better. Um, you know, there's so many references even at this point. I don't think you needed to put I'm your father in there. Um, nah, dude, I love the it. Joke after, the joke after, you know, it does save it. Um, but we get the classic, I am your father. He goes to kill him. Rex says, I can't look. Hits him off the elevator. Um, It's a whole thing. Um, At this point, um, Woody's kind of crawled his way to open the bag that they're in or the container that they're in. And, you know, he sticks an arm out, but the prospector pulls him back in. And we're on the ground level of the apartment at this point. Mm Mm-hmm. And the toys have also made it to this level, but they're you know they're they're not they're they're quite a ways away, you know. Um, so we see that the 
the opening doors are starting to close. We get Mr. Potato Head turning into odd job from 007 and flies his hat and it sticks perfectly right between the elevator doors. Um, which is Hell yeah. pretty freaking money. Anyway, uh, they run to the door um, and they're, they see that the car drives off. So they're thinking, what the heck are we going to do? And, of course, across the street, or maybe even in the same parking lot, the Pizza Planet car uh, from the first movie pulls up, and they're like, ah, we'll use that. Um, the old Buzz, or the, the one that we know and love, you know, he's getting ready to get in the car with everybody, but then he thinks about, oh, man, we can't leave the new Buzz behind. So he goes, and he says, are you, you know, are you going to come with us? And then he basically, we see him catch, like, a ball, and he says, uh, no, you know, I've <laughs> so stupid. He says, I have a lot of catching up to do with my dad. And then we cut the Zerg, who's like the gun that he has, shoots these little balls. So he like shoots one at Buzz and he catches it and he throws it back and it hits him in the forehead. And he says, great throw, son. Uh, it's just stupid. Um <laughs> <laughs> So technically, there's another buzz out there with the, just the utility belt on it. He's oh, living his Toy Story life. But that could be Toy Story 5. I can't say that, and I will. And I will be directing it, and it will be the worst Pixar movie, and I'll get shamed. By okay, at this point, uh, the cars... <laughs> the, the toys are have all squeezed into this car, and obviously, they are all have their own job. Um, Buzz is on the steering wheel. Um, Rex is on top. He's kind of the eyes. Um, Slinky is on the. He's like on the gas pedal. Uh, I don't even know what Ham's doing. I think he's he's just chilling. I don't think he's really doing anything. He's and Mr. Potato Head check. is kind of right there with the. Uh, oh, what's Mr. Potato Head? Oh, he's like right next to the gears and stuff. Um, so they, as a team, work their way to follow Al's car. Um, not a pretty sight. Uh, they're driving all over the place, but yeah, you know, we're slowly making it. Um, we slowly cut to um, to the airport where they are. Um, that's basically where they've chased Al to, and they pull up. Mm-hmm. I want to give a shout out to the balls on them for having the final set piece be at That's a freaking airport. That's what I'm saying. You know, um, if there's any takeaways from this movie, uh, they really go for the big set piece of a sequel. Um, yeah, I have mm-hmm. that. You know, I wanted to talk about it maybe towards the end, but yeah, they just really use the location and it fucking is awesome. Um, it's like mm-hmm. it's this and Casino Royale um, and Die Hard 2. In my eyes, this is this is the the top one. Um, and then and then they said, <laughs> you know what? We're gonna remake James Bond, but how are we gonna do it? Oh, we'll throw in the airport scene from Toy Story 2. That's how we'll we'll get Nathan Talon's heart. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, uh, the toys pull up in their pizza car and they end up 
know, pulling up on the curb. And uh, I can't remember who says it. One of them basically says, uh, we can't park here. This is a whatever zone. So stupid. Um, they make their way in. It's like, how do they have all this knowledge? <laughs> uh, I'm sure it's something they see on TV. Uh, they see through the, yeah, the, so. the doors that um, Al is checking in his bags. So they run inside, but they're thinking, man, how are we going to get over there? We see that there's some uh, cages for animals. So they all kind of hop within this one. They're slowly creeping their way across uh, this room. And then all of a sudden, uh, like I said, they're in like an animal cage. So a little girl comes up and she says, oh, look, like a dog or something. And then Slinky just has like a real deep voice and he he barks the girl away pretty much. And I love how it's just silent and like Buzz gives a thumbs up and that's all you get. (laughs) Yeah, you get the night. Yeah, you get a nice little puppy. And then you just hear bark, 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 bark. Uh, Anyway. Um, we just need to find that. Uh, it turns into oh, this is great too because they make their way across the room. They jump on the assembly line in which the case—it's a green suitcase um, that Woody is in—and they basically say, "All we have to do is find the right case." And um, I guess as a kid, I always wondered what it was like. You know, what happens when the bags go through the little um, the little black, I don't even know what those things are called, um, but they go out of the room somewhere else. Yeah, a little flap. They go little through flappies. that and I'm thinking, what the heck is in there? You know, I've always wanted to know. And this kind of really sunk with me as a kid just because it's like, this is freaking it. But anyway, they just say, oh, all we have to do is find the suitcase. How hard could it be? And then they go through little black flappy things, and they see all of the assembly lines that are moving at the same time. And there's a million different bags. And I'll tell you that there's more than one green one. So they are in a dilemma. And I also got to say, <laughs> this is kind of giving me Monsters, Inc. vibes with, like, the, with all the doors. Yeah, like so the I'm door like, flying. Man, there's a lot of yeah. stuff that I think other Pixar movies kind of pulled from this. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, uh, the, I think that they think that the best way to go about this is kind of splitting up. So obviously Buzz goes after one, uh, green bag and the rest of them go after another one. Um, the, the gang, uh, catches up to their bag and they open it and it is just camera equipment. And of course we get another great line, um, Ham, he says, eh, it's not a bad flash, though. Uh, uh, <laughs> Buzz then obviously is at the right bear suitcase and he opens it and immediately eats a nice little um, knuckle sandwich from Stinky Pete. So that causes Buzz to go flying and he falls off the, the belt that he was originally on. And then Woody kind of gets on. He says, hey, you don't do that to my friend. And then it becomes a little fight, but um, like we said before, the prospector has a pickaxe, so he even rips the arm that was originally torn on Woody, and he basically threatens him that, you know, he'll do more than that. Um, yeah, then all of a sudden, right before he basically hits him with a the big blow, um, a flash goes off, and we see that the gang shows up 
with the camera equipment and they are hitting this dude like it's Incredibles 2. Um, so obviously they distract him enough to which they can um, take his pickaxe and uh, kind of save the day. And what they do is they put him in a different bag. Uh, it's a girl's, it's a pink Barbie bag. Um, and he's put in a strap with a Barbie and uh, the Barbie basically is saying, oh, you're going to love the owner. And he said, or she says, she's an artist. And she turns her head and we see all kinds of stickers and paintings on the side mm. of her face. It's just a worst nightmare for a character like this who sees himself as a collectible. We're talking about a guy who never leaves his box. So to be with like a young girl who is going to paint him and put him in new outfits and stuff. I'm sure he is just living his worst life. For sure. Great. Um, at the same off. time, they, you know, even though they're hugging it out, they bullseye and Jesse are still in that suitcase and they think, oh man, you know, we have to save them. So they get bullseye, um, but Jesse doesn't quite make it and the suitcase goes flying down um, the belt. And then I think that this is I don't know, it's just tastefully done that um, even though the big villain is technically defeated, there's still more to do. Um, So then it becomes a whole mission of them saving Jesse. And we get... This is just another awesome... Because the the money moment in the first movie is when Buzz and Woody used the RC car to catch up to the moving van. Um, And in this, they're riding Bullseye. So again, they find a way to... Uh, give us something that we love from before, but give us it in a new way with an even bigger set piece because they're not only trying to catch just a moving vehicle, but it is an airplane this time. It's a freaking plane, dude. That's what I'm saying. Um, But Jesse, er, no, she gets put on like one of those carts that holds all the, it takes all the bags from the airport to the plane. Um, they ride up and Woody mm-hmm. makes it on. Buzz does not. Um, Woody then hides himself within a golf bag um, and sneaks his way on. He gets um, he gets Jesse out of the suitcase, but the door closes and now the airplane's starting to move. So now they're in another dilemma. But they realize that there is a kind of an exit in the back of the or I think it's the front of the plane actually um, where they look down through a glass window and they can see mm-hmm. one of the wheels so there's a little exit that they open and but the plane's moving pretty fast and the wheel's flying so they can't just jump like you normally would um, we see Buzz ride up and he's on the horse and he has a nice little line saying something about like what's a cowboy without his hat um which I freaking love. Um, so then basically mm-hmm. Woody gets the idea that he's going to use his little string um, in his back and uh, they're going to swing. They're going to swing their I way onto, it, the, onto the horse. So he basically tells Buzz to get behind the wheel. And then he tells Jesse that she's got to trust him. And, you know, that's just a nice little character moment for them. Um, and, this whole exchange is probably one of my favorites in the movie, like uh, like the back and forth. And it's like, they're like, are you ready? It's just like Woody's Roundup. And then she's like, oh, that 
no, it got canceled or whatever. And then he's like, well, you want to find out how it ends together? And then they jump off and he's so it's freaking brilliant. It is. Dude. It's um, so good. Obviously, they land safely on the on Bullseye. The plane takes off and uh, yeah, it's kind of a happy ending in that sense. Um, we cut back to um, how what. Wait, what the heck? You miss you miss possibly my favorite shot. In the oh, movie. when the plane comes over, it's when they're all. Yeah, I freaking love you... it, dude. Are you kidding me? That's the yeah, squad uh, right there. Dude. Woody, Buzz, Jesse, I, I... his bullseye in that shot. Yeah, yeah, and they all like group together yeah. when the plane. I I just love it, dude. It just it's just as soon as I see it, yeah, man, I just get a smile say, on my face. You know, they they're relieved that that they just made it out of the situation. Because um, the plane took off and they think they're safe, but all of a sudden another plane flies right overhead. Um, and you know, we see like his hat start to move because of the wind and stuff. And then they all they all look at each other and say, awesome. "Ah, let's go home." And then we fade, and we're looking out the window again. They go to the same shot we saw earlier. Um, Andy is returned, um, and he runs upstairs to his room, and all the toys are there. And the batch of sketch says, Welcome home, Andy. Now Jesse and Bullseye are there. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm all. <laughs> no, dude, you got to wait for the, the Woody and Buzz line. Okay. Oh, like man. That, Toy Story 4. Are Give you freaking kidding freak. me, dude? It was Give right there in front break. of us, dude. Um, we, you know, we're thinking to ourselves, how did these guys even make it back to the house um, from the airport? And then we look out the window again <laughs> and we can see like the cart that we talked about previously that moves the bags from the airport to the plane. Um, they drove that thing home because they're just laying right in the middle of the road outside um, of the house. And we get a nice little match cut from the middle of the night to the day. And the stuff obviously hasn't moved, but now the neighbors are just standing there um, across the street looking like, what mm-hmm. the heck is going on here? Um, I think that that's freaking money. Um, anyway, um, we see that Andy has now fixed Woody's arm. Um, he put a little extra stuff in, in there, though. So now his like right arm is freaking huge. Um, and his left arm is obviously still normal. But, you know, what are you going to do? Yes. Go buff out. And then we get this moment that we talked about earlier on the podcast between uh, Buzz and Jesse. Um, he basically walks up and, you know, he's trying to say the right thing. He goes to her and says, I, you know, I just wanted to say that you're a, a bright young woman uh, with a beautiful yarn full of hair, a uh, hair full of yarn. Uh, it's a uh, who uh, I'm going to go. And then. Um, you know, Jesse, of course, gives him like a big hug and says, you know, oh, that's the greatest thing anybody's ever said to me, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then we cut to the dog who's kind of whining, standing by the door. And so I think Ham or somebody mentions that the dog needs to go outside. And Jesse takes that as, hey, we need to help this dog, blah, 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 blah. Um, so she does. She takes a lesson out of Buzz's book and falls in style. You know, she takes an RC car and uses that as a ramp, and she flies across the room uh, to go and open the door. And Buzz is just standing there with his jaw open, and all of a sudden, fling, 
Both of his wings pop open. Um, maybe my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> um, Ham is now playing the video game that we saw at the beginning, um, which is fun. You know, it's him and Rex uh, sitting there playing the game. Uh, that's fun. Uh, we also hear uh, a commercial or the Al's Toy Barn commercial, but now Al is crying in it. Um, that's fun. Um, we are then introduced to Wheezy again, and his little squeaker has been fixed. He said that the Mr. Shark kind of looked through the toy box and found an extra squeaker. So now he is talking, and then he says, oh, oh yeah. I think it's about time for a song. So then he, you know, um, goes into a full thing, and I'm going to let you say, uh, like, the, the last little um, thing between Buzz and Woody. Yeah, so uh, Buzz and Woody, you know, they're having their their conclusion to the movie, their heart to heart talk, uh, as the as the symbols of the Toy Story franchise. And Woody's kind of looking out the window, and down in the driveway, we see Andy and his sister playing with his mom, hopping in the car. They make some jokes. The mom makes some jokes about them getting older and getting ready to drive. And then Buzz kind of asks Woody, he's like, "Well, how are you feeling about it?" And then Woody's like, well, I'm feeling great. And he's like, even about like Andy growing up and maybe, you know, like he won't be, he won't be young forever. And then uh, Woody kind of gives the whole, you know, I'll, I'll enjoy it for what it is. But the most important thing is that when it's all said and done, I'll have Buzz Lightyear next to me for the whole time to infinity and beyond. And then it instantly swings back into you got a friend in me. And I just realized that I'll never be a kid again, man. You know, <laughs> literally all the good times in life are behind me. And that was just the struggle bus. What a movie. What a motion picture. Um, after watching it, I mean, there's not really much to say other than it's perfection. Um, I do have some categories for you. So do you care? Yeah, let's, let's bust through these. Yeah, I mean, we're at three hours now, so I mean. <laughs> Best line of the movie. Which, wait, hold on. Incredibles is F. If, <laughs> if we're at three hours for this one, once we get to Monster, oh, Monsters, Inc. next week. Holy crap. We're not at, oh, the, God. We're not at the three hour mark. We're, yeah, we're right there, Luca. No, for the last, the literally the last one. Are we? Holy shit. I watched, I had Toy Story 2 playing. I watched through it twice. <laughs> okay. Well, um, well, let's go through these categories. Best line of the movie. What's your favorite? I love, all right, no one look until I get my cork back. <laughs> um, I also love the exchange with Jesse and Woody at the end. And I like the buzz, Woody, back and forth. I think. Uh, the one at the end with Buzz and Woody just perfectly sums up just Toy Story in general. Um, and I think it's a great kind of just a good ending that promises more, you know? I do know. And I, I just like all the characters. I think it's impressive that every single character in this movie I like. And for the future as well with this franchise, it's like there's never a character that I don't like. I despise when they're on the screen, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's always like, oh, great. Well, what they're going to say now, you know, it's not like, oh, okay, let's get this off. 
and so I'm always into what's ever happening. I think the writing is great, and for some, like it's these little plastic beings have more character than a lot of the live action and animated characters out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we're talking the beginnings of computer generated animation, so it's just crazy to me. I'd have to say my favorite line is for sure the the one from Ham uh, when he. <laughs> When he basically says, hey, Buzz, can we slow down? Some of us are holding over 6,000 change here. <laughs> um, that's a good one. Um, I like the uh, pork chop, dude. That's freaking That's good. Um, for you, uh, who's your favorite side character in this movie? I am. See, this one I struggled with because unlike Mr. Potato Head, uh, kind of takes a back seat in this one. He's there, but he doesn't, you know get all the one-liners um ham kind of takes that spot but the one that i'm kind of juggling is i really like rex in this movie and i think that rex is given a little bit more to do he's kind of a part mm-hmm. of his own storyline he's a part of the the new buzz and zerk storyline um yeah so i also think he gets not only does he get a few good lines um he gets some um, some physical gags like we get the jurassic park shot he's the one who hits zerg off the elevator um at the end of the day i just think that he uh gets a little bit more to do and i'm gonna go with rex yeah i think jesse and bullseye definitely deserve a good pat on the back as well for sure um is there speaking of voice work um who does anybody stand out for you in this one uh, I, th- I mean, Joan, C- I don't even know how to say it. C- Cusack? Cusack? I think it's Joan Cusack. Cusack, she, I mean, iconic voice instantly with Jesse, you know, and she already has kind of an iconic voice to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's perfect for the character. Uh, once again, though, I will have to give it to Tom Hanks. Go. Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here scratching my head because I'm thinking, when we're talking about these movies, is there anybody who does it better than Tom Hanks, and honestly, um, of course, he's given the most, but sometimes that just defaults you to being the best, you know what I'm saying? Well, I have an interesting, I'm not saying this is my pick yet, but we've talked about how Buzz gets an interesting role in this movie. So Tim Allen almost does two performances. Uh, True. You get You get the Buzz we know and love, who... It's definitely more down to earth, relaxed. He's w- well aware of the world that he's in. And we also get like Space Ranger buzz. Um, so, just for the sake of not going Tom Hanks uh, four times in a row and this being Buzz's best movie and him getting two roles, uh, I'm going to go Tim Allen on this one. Hey, don't worry. I'm not. I'm going Tom Hanks, and don't worry. I already know who I'm giving it for three, and I guarantee you'll never guess. Okay. So you'll just have to wait and see. Um, favorite scene? Oh man, there's a million. I love the whole plane scene. I think that's phenomenal. Um, uh, ASMR scenes, freaking good. But I'll go. I'll go with the plane. That whole sequence. I love it. I love. Like the callbacks and everything, Woody saying "Ride like the wind, bullseye," and it's like they're creating the final episode of a show. I thought it was great, dude. It's great. Uh, I'm also gonna go with 
the end climax. Um, I think the use of the location is just so good that it's kind of hard not to choose, even though I am such a fan of Toy Story, or I'm, what an idiot, um, a fan of the, the famous scene from Toy Story 2, um, of like the ASMR scene, which I think is like now remembered, um, at least from our generation. Um, as, as much as I love that, I'm kind of in a weird spot where uh, I don't think you've seen it, but there's one of my favorite movies, The Silver Bullet, and there's actually a scene in there where like an old man kind of like this uh, makes the, the one bullet um, for like our lead characters, and it's done the same way, how it's like slow motion, there's music playing, and you know, we get a little taste of... Uh, um, a voiceover and it's just it's just a man who is doing you know some masterful work um so yeah. i see this scene and i think of that um so that's the only reason i'm gonna go with the end like the big climax um it's just because when i think of those type of asmr scenes i kind of go more to silver bullet than i do but that's just because i saw that first um i respect it um do you have a favorite shot from the movie I love the buzz shot with Buzz walking and down the aisle that has all the buzz on the wall. Good one. Um, and then, of course, I love the shot that I talked about with the uh, when the plane flies overhead. I'm gonna go. I think it's great with the Jurassic Park shot. Um, looking at Rex chasing the, the toy car, and but I will give some love to the recreation of the shot from the first movie where Buzz is meeting the new Buzz action figure. Um, Hell yeah. What's the ideal age for this movie? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I have no idea. What? Any age, dude. It's the freaking What did we say for the first movie? Uh, younger. I think that this one fits a, li- a couple of years older. Which is perfect because yeah. the kids who were young when they watched the first movie grew up, and I think it's just what you need because exactly. there's some adult humor in there. Um, there's some world building. Um, it's just a little bit more. There's some more adult things going on, and it kind of is a big action movie. Um, I think that it's like the first movie is like a five, six range. Um, you could even go younger if you wanted to, but I think this one fits more like an eight year old. Um, Basically, you just got to grow up with the franchise. You, you ever think that Boyhood just watched Toy Story and said, man, why don't we just do all this but in one movie? Yep. Anyway, uh, give me your grade. Uh, S plus the cross, dude. Top tier. Uh, I also have it in my S tier. Grade is an A plus. Um, only other thing, since it's a sequel... Um, I have a few more questions just kind of going um, for that. Um, who's your favorite new character put in this movie? Bullseye. I agree. I also have Bullseye. Jesse's good, but at first I'm kind of annoyed with Jesse until we get the montage. So I guess I'm going through the same emotions that um, Woody is because, you know, at first it's a warm open yeah. to oh man i'm bickering back and forth with this person but then understanding where they're coming from so now you kind of sympathize but i think that they really do something special with bullseye who literally doesn't say a, one word um, but he has so much character to him so. yeah so that's for sure what i'm going with um 
what character that we love from the first movie gets an upgrade uh, in the second movie? Ham, baby. I would agree. Um, Give him more lines and more lines and more lines. I'm going to go with, uh, I think, Buzz. I I think yeah. Buzz gets old. He gets more to do in this movie. Um, this is, we've talked about it. This is peak Buzz. Um, this is, I guess I don't know what else to say other than, you know, it, like I said, it is kind of an action movie. And Buzz at his best is when he's sent on a mission. And in this movie, he is kind of by himself on this mission. So we get to see him doing all of his acrobatic work, putting stuff together, figuring out how he's going to catch Woody, how he's going to catch up to the gang. Um, he, he has a lot to do in this one. And I think that um, his, his skills are used very well in this. Who uh, from the first movie that we know, do you think it's a downgrade in this one? Um, probably Bo Peep. But, yeah, I mean, she, I mean it get it's like the next. I mean, she gets downgraded twice in a row, and then upgraded to max status in the last. You one. know who I but, have? Who honestly could be the answer for the next two movies as well? That's my man, the RC car. Oh yeah, but we find out what happened to him, dude. Sad story. No, I don't want to bring it up, but you know, growing up, freaking, I love the colors of him. I just think that's a great character, and for him to not even be in this mother. Actually, I think I do see him at the beginning, but that's it. We just get a flash. We don't get anything. Not even a mention. F that. Downgrade. Um, lastly, I think you you do a good job of um, talking about the themes of these movies, which we already kind of have touched on. But I want to um, ask you specifically. Um, sequels are tough, and this is one of the only ones that pulls it off. Uh, talk about the world building in this movie and kind of what they did to really expand the universe. Well, yeah, like we kind of touched on it a little bit as well, but Pixar's, like specifically for the Toy Story franchise, is so good at finding these new scenarios that, you know, we would think of, but aren't really, we're not really thinking of them, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, like I said, like just the idea of now, okay, now we're in the toy story world and we love these toys. We're attached to these toys. But what if these toys came in contact with a toy collector, which basically forces them to sit in a box for the rest of their life, you Mm -hmm. know, like it's, that's an interesting concept in and of itself. Um, I mean, we, we, besides pizza planet in the first one, you don't really get to see much outside of Andy's, um, house so we get to travel around a little bit and i just i love the idea of the toy store i wish that we got to see more variety of toys Mm -hmm. in the toy store because that's just an interesting concept in and of itself as well in a movie about toys coming to life how would a toy store kind of act you Mm know i'd Um, imagine you know you could really do like a night at the museum sort of thing yeah um lastly uh this is uh there is a fan of the podcast who listens every every time we post something and i told that person that i would read one of his questions just for you um what are your top two what are the top two things that you think that toy story 2 does better than toy story 1 toy story i think overall story (laughs) is better um even though it is interesting that woody is kind of the antagonist of the first one um 
I think for me personally, just the idea of like a toy collector uh, stealing Woody and then even steal, uh, even uh, Woody kind of dealing with similar to how he felt in the first movie, but expanded upon and brought to more realistic terms of the fact that, yeah, Andy will grow up and your kind of life as a toy is finite. I think bringing up themes like that in um, a children's movie, for lack of better words, is is brilliant. Uh, I know because it's pretty much just like upgrading Toy Story 1 flat out, I think, even though Toy Story 1 is near perfect for me as well. Just the fact that it takes everything. I think um, almost every single joke lands in this. I think the action is a lot better in Toy Story 2. For sure. Um, and I, yeah, like I said, I just think the overall scenario and um, character development that happens in this is great as well. Even though it's not as drastic as Woody and Buzz becoming friends, it's still enough where it's like just an interesting kind of uh, study on Woody's character and what it means to be a toy, which is weird to think of. And when you say it out loud, it kind of sounds dumb. But in the general concept of these movies, it's a pretty important kind of theme. Sure. And and also the whole Jesse thing, that's like a whole nother thing as well. Like getting put in a donation box and being left alone. Like, yeah, that would scar you from wanting to ever trust a human again. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of deep stuff in this, except for the fact that what toy has come alive and what, what decides this? I know. Well, cause I mean, we, but they, we, gotta... we see in like Al's toy barn that there's like, we see hanging on the walls that there's like a baseball, a plastic baseball bat and balls. And I'm thinking, Okay, so a basketball can't come to life, and a bat can't come. You know, I just have so many questions on what can and what can't, and what the difference is there. Hey, that's for God to decide. You're not wrong. Before we go, um, if there's anything I want to add to what I think it does better, uh, one of my favorite things about the first movie is that, you know, you're not just getting... um, your A to B children's movie, you know, there's some scary stuff in the first movie so much. So I know people who don't watch the first one because it's for Sid's house is literally a horror movie. Um, but I think this movie, even it gets the James Cameron effect. It does even more than that. You know, this one, not only is your normal kid's story, um, but you get an action movie, you know, this whole thing starts off and you get a complete whole action um, set piece and it ends in a freaking airport you, you know you got all these things but also you get tastes of a western you know we get well, Woody uh, looking at all of this memorabilia and you're thrown into kind of that universe we get the yeah. super sad side of things with Jesse's story we get that montage which is a total change of pace than what uh, we've seen before you know we got Buzz realizing that he's not able to fly and that's pretty rough but this is even you know Jesus. Yeah, this is next level. Also, which song do you think is sadder? The song that's played in this or when Buzz in the first movie can't? Uh, Dude, I don't know. Probably when Buzz. <laughs> that's just a freaking rough one. Yeah. I would... This one, at least, I'm like, man, what a great movie. You know, you're watching. What a great scene. The first, like the first. I think You've Got a Friend in Me is more sad than all of them. Dude. That's for different purposes. I know, every time I hear it, I get like emotional in like a happy yeah. way, but it's like I just But feel also like, a sad exactly. way. Exactly. Cuz you know your life will never have find true joy. <laughs> and on that note, we're ending the the podcast. <laughs> Next week we got Monsters Inc, right? Your favorite. Uh yep, but you know, I think uh it's 
it's whatever one I watched last between Monsters Inc. and Incredibles. Um, just like personal fit, you know. Oh man, I love Finding Nemo though too. Um, All I'm saying is just strap in because this was three. This is next week's about to be a four-hour one. I don't know what. Pretty much, happen. we're just going to have to be live stream twenty-four-seven. Us just watching Pixar movies. <laughs> you know, I've gotten asked by somebody that listens to it if we would ever record ourselves, like, like get some video going. Um, I'm not saying we will or we won't, but I'm just saying that there's people out there talking. All right. I'll put it in the back of my brain. Show. Um, obviously post quarantine. Um, yeah. That, that would mean that we both make it out of here alive. Um, and that's not a certain sense. Um, my throat's a little scratchy today and you have a hole in your chest. So, correct. um, We'll see. Correct. But yeah, thanks for listening. Um, this is definitely one of our favorites. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed this 14 hour podcast. And we'll be back next week with a 15 hour one. <laughs>